Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? A, uh, it seems fitting. Val is here with me that we just watched the finale of Girls. Are you sad? Very sad. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a state of mourning, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, you were super sad. I was sad, and I thought it was lovely. And uh, I, we have this episode of Allison Williams. Uh, we recorded a little while back. In fact, I'm pretty sure we discussed whether or not Crashing is going to get picked up for season two. So you're going to get to hear a throwback discussion where you hear some of that anxiety, <laughs> which I'm so glad uh, went the, uh, the good way. Um, and we also talk about the wonderful movie Get Out. Jordan Peele also did this podcast. It's one of my favorite movies this year by far. It is incredible, worth seeing, and worth seeing twice, to be honest. So let's get to Allison. She's such a delight. We've been friends for a while now, and, and she's, a, she's a weirdo. I know. You she was that. before you even met her. Your brother's FaceTiming you. I know. You want to get it? Uh, no, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on on air, call decline. He I'll, listens to this. Yeah, I'll call you right back, so Derek. Funny. I love you. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, a couple things up top. You guys, uh, our show, the show that I made, Crashing, that I just mentioned, is on HBO Go and HBO Now. It uh, it helps me, and uh, I hope if you watch it, I mean ratings-wise, if you'd like to support in that way. But it also is just something that I work very hard on and hope you enjoy. So that is on all the HBO streaming things and regular HBO on repeats from time to time. Uh, you can get all the t-shirts, stickers, pillows, and mugs that have, uh, from bits inspired by the show at store.petehomes.com. I'm also doing some stand-up, which I haven't done some touring in a while. Uh, April 20th, 4.20, I'm doing a uh, show. Yeah. A show sponsored by Leafly. It's like a, a, a weed a weed company? Mm, yes. So that'll I'll be a silly one. 90% chance I'll get high and go and on stage and just be the silliest boy. Uh, and then on April 21st, I'll have a weed hangover in Nashville <laughs> at the Ryman Theater with Judd Apatow. Judd is headlining, but I will be there in support. It's going to be a great show in a historic theater in Nashville. Hope you can make it to that. May third is my our final Largo show. Val always comes to those just for just for a while because we're about to go to New York to film season two. Which of course we get it, buddy. All right. Sorry for ev- for the thousands of people that just thought their phone vibrated. Uh, May third is the final Largo for this season. I'll be back obviously after the summer. Uh, it's going to be a special one. We're going to pack it with lots of great guests. And uh, I'll be doing lots of time as well because it's just my favorite thing to do. And then May 26th, I will be coming to Boston uh, for a a big show, a headlining show. And Eugene Merman will be there on the show as well. All of the tickets are on PeteHolmes.com. So please check that out. Um, I'm always forgetting something in the intro. Well, we do have... I always want to do the the, the ads, the odds, like they do on NPR, because they do them so much cooler than I do. Oh. Like, if you listen to S-Town, or if you listen to um, This American Life, they always just go like, support for today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Why am I over here like, you can get a beautiful design (laughs) template and customize... Just white... It's brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next web- website. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that better? 
I'm going to do the classy one there. That's my choice. Yeah. That's my choice. I'm also going to, as always, plug a few of my Pete's Picks products that have changed my life. Uh, the number one, you know this, is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. C-dub. Just took some in the car because I'm just a little burnt. We have our first table read tomorrow, which is very exciting. But I was looking at screens all day. And I, I was in the car, and it's such a wonderful thing to realize and remember that you have something that really takes the edge off, helps you <laughs> relax a little bit. Uh, it is made of hemp, but it doesn't have THC. I say this every time. It, all the THC has been taken out. It's only all that's left is CBD, which is wonderful for, again, this is anecdotal, not FDA stuff. Uh, it's good for anxiety. I find it good for sleep. I find it good for aches and pains. But it's also just like a mood enhancement thing. You're shaking your head. You agree, right? I do agree. I get Absolutely. A, sorry, baby. I was also going to add to this that it's like a great company. Like the people yes. behind it are really likable. You did an episode. The Stanley Brothers is going right. to be out soon. Oh, yeah. Really likable. Really likable. You can be assured that your money is like going into something good. The product was developed. It's called Charlotte's Web because there was like, a, I believe she was five or six years old. A girl wouldn't stop having seizures. The only thing that stopped her seizures was CBD oil. But, like, the reason why I kind of point out it might be a little more expensive than, say, hemp oil you might find on the shelf at, say, Trader Joe's or something is because this is the, this is the real deal. Premium, high-content CBD, meaning high concentration, and it's the only hemp grown for human consumption in this way, meaning it wasn't going to be pants. Yeah. It was made for this. It was made for a little girl, and it works really well on this grown man and this grown woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people writing emails about that. It means so much. So if you want to try it, I'd love you to try it. You get 10% off if you go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code you made it weird for 10% off. I do want to say some people uh, write me and they're like, I didn't really feel it. I do want to point out I've only ever used Everyday Plus, uh, and I love Everyday Advanced. That's kind of my go-to chocolate mint mint chocolate flavor tastes like a thin mint so if you're not feeling it you can always take more but all uh, you might want to do a, a higher concentration and the other one another thing that i constantly take talk about working all day i was popping ad uh, i was talking advil alpha brain uh like they were tic tacs i love them so much it's it's alpha brain it's like a it's called a nootropic which is like a vitamin for your brain i swear by it for the past Three plus years, I haven't done a podcast or written stand-up or performed stand-up or uh, written a script, meditated or lucid dreamed, anything that involves your brain, I take Alpha Brain and I absolutely 100% notice a difference. I swear by it. I, I always have some in the pocket of every coat I have. It's in my car. It's by the chair that I write in. I just, I always have it around. And everybody that I've introduced to uh, is is a sworn believer now. Yep. I like to point out it's not a stimulant, it's not like coffee, it's something that just kind of gives you a little bit of extra blood flow to your brain, and I'd love for you to try it, because I, like I said, I get fan mail about Charlotte's Web, and I get fan mail now about Alpha Brain and how it's changing people's lives, so please give it a try, go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you'll get 10% off. Uh, I think that's everything. I do want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of the mouse. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. 
And if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial. <laughs> it's like your own IT department. See, they don't do this long. Yeah. Squarespace. This is the NB- I mean, If you don't know what I'm doing, I'm doing the NBR way. It's Although, better. I feel like you are definitely going for an Ira Glass, and it may be coming off a little more Michael Moore. <laughs> oh. Which isn't bad either. Ira Glass would be like, act one. <laughs> he always Act one. Act one. The space is square. <laughs> you know, an interesting thing happened when some people need a website, and they go online, and they get overwhelmed. I recently sat down. He doesn't talk. He doesn't say. I recently sat down. It's not the evening news. <laughs> yeah, it's He's hard to like, do. But like, you still slowly hear the audio. Like you be me, I'd be like, Pete Holmes is surprisingly eclectic for such a talented mind. And when he needs a website, like you have to like be ordering a latte or something. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, can I get a caramel? Well, I recently sat that? down with Pete at a coffee bean in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, he, he had shaggy hair and kept telling me about Squarespace <laughs> and how I could offer Crash use offer code <laughs> weird to get 10% off your. Okay, go to squarespace.com, enter offer code weird for 10% off your first purchase. You need a website. Make your next move. Make your next website. Again, that's weird. W e i r d. In case you're crazy, squarespace.com. Thank you, Squarespace, for your ongoing support. If you guys want to show uh, your support of the show and get a website go to squarespace.com use offer code word. squarespace make your next move make your next website it's better yeah it's great i wish we did it like that i'm gonna ask them if we can do it like that okay guys i'm sure the answer is yes right <laughs> everybody loves classy yeah i'm drinking cognac which is made from grapes hmm. just wine that someone left out <laughs> Well, I, we have plenty of that. Yeah, I, yeah. some of those <laughs> bottles are going to turn into cognac. Which brings us to our third Pete's pick, Hennessy VSOP. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, enjoy Allison Williams, the delightful, the elegant, the wonderful. Enjoy. Enjoy? Get, Get into, into it. it. <laughs> Why did I? I'm so tired. You say it. Get into it. All caps into. Yes. So excited. This has been so long in the making. I know. Um... Scout. This is Scout. Hi. He's not mine. Scout's a girl. Scout's a girl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you just we met just her. We just met, and I and feel you know. her gender. Well, the gender that she prefers. Her gender tell you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'll give it to you. I've been making a lot of terrible jokes lately. Were you at anything last night? Here's an invite. Uh, ah. It's a save the date. Yay! Happy marriage. Thank you kindly. Happy impending marriage. I'm going to wait and open it with Rick. I also brought you Charlotte's Web in case you wanted to drive. Um, I'm so... Excited? Confused. Oh, that's... You skipped the ads? <laughs> have no, you not listened I for have, a while? No, I've been listening religiously. You know me. Well, that's Charlotte's Web, the hemp oil that I'm always uh, telling people about. I'm No, well, what I was going to say <laughs> is that I'm confused and have been for a while as oh. to how this would fit into my life. <laughs> well, now you can find out. <laughs> I sure will. I, I will report back. I, yeah. Are you not a uh, uh, any of the plant property marijuana people? No, I'm not a marijuana person. Speaking of which, yeah. safe space. So good to see you. So Welcome to, to the show. You. Thank you so much. You were a little hesitant to do the program because we do go so deep. Yes. And it, right off the bat, I ask you about marijuana, which, you know, isn't That's not big great. For We're in Los show. Angeles. We're I, in a comic book store in Los Angeles. That's, that's, that's true. not deep at all. That's true. But I want you to know, uh, speak freely, and, and you'll have weeks and weeks to think about my shoes off. what you want to take out and stuff, if oh. you'd like to take anything out. Oh, thank you. I, I'm sure I won't, but... Um, you know, just don't worry, though. I won't. <laughs> um, I 
Uh, no, I, I am not a marijuana person. Yeah. Um, I am a, um, I am a donut and bagel person. Oh, your food is your vice? No, I, it's not even a vice. I just, the only foods I like are little kid foods. <laughs> like and, plate macaroni with butter? Yeah, literally. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Get out of here. I had you a look bagel like... with, uh, I had a sesame seed bagel with, toasted with butter and cream cheese this morning. That's my, that's my breakfast every morning Get until recently. Get out now in theaters. <laughs> Yes, it is. We will talk about that. I'm very happy today. No um, one would see it with me. I'm so ashamed. Val is too scared. Oh, she'll be fine. Are you sure? Yes. And in fact, she I have a list like, of jump scares. And I was like, okay. I have a list of jump scares that I sent to. This is not a dig at Val. I sent it to my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy to share it with She's got Val. the heart of an old, old woman. Yeah, she does. She's okay with jump scares, I think. It's more like demons and. Oh, no, no, no. Everything. Even I, I mean, this could be more frightening, but everything is based in the natural, okay, worldly realm. Real people, yeah. I really wanted to see it, but literally, I had to go alone, and then I got scared that I would get scared. No, you got to go see it at a theater too. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to punch myself in in the in the penis for okay, not. Well, that feels like an unrelated it. decision. <laughs> it feels like something you just kind of want to do, and I'll just like you. So fun. Um, wait, I've been watching you on girls, and it's so weird to be with you. I, you know, I know you as Ditto a person crashing. as well. Oh well. Come on. I'm been, so happy for you. I'm it's so, so good. And was, it's on film. What are you? Like a filmman? <laughs> I am. I'm to a use filmman. your parlance. I'm a filmman. Yeah. Uh, there's a great story about shooting on film because Artie in the first episode had to, not had to, Judd just yelled out, tell Pete what you would say to a comedian who's starting out. Oh, that's a good Judd. Thank you. Saw him last night. Only really you fresh. would I know. know. Yep. You were at the Oscars? I didn't go to the Oscars. I was the at parties? the Vanity Fair and then uh, the Madonna. Uh, Madonna party? The Madonna party. There's a Madonna party? There's a Madonna party. It's called The Party. Get out of my mm-hmm. face. What, P. Diddy has the white party. She's just like, no. Yeah. The party. The, 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 the party. Next year, it's just going to be the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then that? it will have no title. So you saw Judd? I saw Judd, and he's very happy about your show. Oh, that's and great. I'm so happy. You guys worked so hard to promote it. We did. Oh, my God. Crazy. That's what I think. I'd li- actually like to talk to you about that because you've happy now done to. that six times. Six times. I emailed uh, Mulaney because he had to do all that press. Yeah. And people weren't liking his show. It was hard to not sound backhanded. But I was like, I can't. I use the words grit and fortitude because I was like, I can't imagine yeah. doing press even after people were like, this show, like they were mean about it. Yeah. Then he had to keep grinding and keep making the show at the same time. I was like that's like that cool hand so loop hard levels of like courage and strength it's it's something he should never forget i'm and so proud of and it still had to all like you like lena it all came back to him I and know. so i mean from i don't have the vantage point that someone like lena has where she could actually tell you firsthand what that was like much more accurately than i can because when the four of us were on a panel together or whatever we were very deferential if something came up that had to do with the greater themes of the show or the criticisms we got in the first season about a lack of representation in the show or that we're all privileged white girls, which is the premise of the show. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But was also used against us, which is very funny. It was like, we reject the premise of this show. We were like, sorry, I guess. How can this be about four privileged white girls? Right. Or nepotism. So like, you know. Because of all the famous fathers? Yeah, exactly. Famous dads. And that they called HBO and said, look, our daughters are nice. 
please give them a show. Did oh, they? oh no, my goodness! Oh Kate. my goodness! Of course not. Are you the target for fake I news? Know, that I was am. so crazy. I, I'm just you know a trustful person. I know that, and you um, said it very well. I'm it's sorry. really a credit to your acting, if anything. I'm very, it's very talented. <gasps> but Lena's showing. dad is off in the woods eating mushrooms. Or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, he's, he's, an, not, he's a painter. He's not a famous, he paints like yeah. So he's anyway, not famous in that way. No, so we we had to kind of like go through that together. But Lena and Jenny and Judd were always responsible for answering the bigger questions, which yeah. was a relief because um, I hadn't done this before. So I didn't really know how it worked. I was still learning about, you know, how the record works and how pull quotes work and all of that yeah. stuff. So I got to kind of answer the questions that felt like they were in my area of of somewhat expertise and then I got to let the ones go that were curveballs and Lena took them oh yeah sure so but even the curveballs you get you, you still get pitched the same curveball oh now now times. I'm good because now <laughs> like now I've been through six seasons of promoting girls I can't believe it is it the hardest part mm, one of them uh, nope leading question I find it to be one of the more difficult things to do is to constantly do like junkets and stuff where you're talking about it I, it's not that I don't like it. I'm grateful every moment of it that we're doing press. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, wow, this is this is a a, a haul. Here's here's a few disparate thoughts about promo. This Thank is really relatable, right? Of <laughs> Real relatable. Yeah, sure. Um, Next, we'll talk about premium. No, we'll talk about grooming. Ordered dog foods. <laughs> there you go. Actually, I could talk about that. Um, we just signed up for one this morning. <laughs> crazy kids. Um, we saw it on Shark Tank. I, I have learned that really with anything that is sustained and repetitive, the most important thing is structure of the day. Mm. So, like, as long as I have breaks, my thing is I play solitaire. I go, sit somewhere and just play solitaire and check out. Oh, really? Yeah. And that resets me okay. for more interviews. So That's... the pacing of the day ends up mattering more to me now. Now that I actually know what it feels like to have a terrible day. Yeah. Um, What's a terrible day? Like, no breaks. A terrible day is no breaks, yeah. no time to collect your thoughts. And yeah. then the, the, weird, um, the weird sort of aspect of that kind of a day is that you're being asked how you feel or think about things and you haven't had time to feel or think anything. That's actually a very perfect articulation of, I think, what anybody, to make it relatable, yeah. feels like when they're spread too thin. Yeah. It's like talking to people, sometimes when I get anxious or, or I don't want to go out, is like you see conversations as not time together. You see them as exchanges of information. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You're just like, how are you? I am good. <laughs> yeah. How are you? You just see it as this banal yes. game of ping pong. And there's this like, what's the point? Because you're too thin to go deep. Yes. You're spread out. So yes. you can't go deep. You're spread out. Yeah. So and I, an interview I, I is that. not a conversation. Right. Which is an important thing to remember. Right. In terms of putting your foot in it. Because often that happens when you get lulled into the sense that you're just chatting with someone. The oh. fuck? Alexa. Sorry, that music came from my soul. <laughs> um, was that Alexa? I must have. No. I'm just kidding. It sounded like Alexa turning back on. My assistant's name is Alexa, and we had to rename Love our it. Echo Echo. Luckily, we kept our, my assistant's name. You na- you can rename your Alexa? Yeah. yeah. Amazon, no. Echo, or Alexa, I think, are the options. Oh, you can say, oh, okay. Yeah. You can't just be like, I'm going to call you yeah. Chinese food. <laughs> there you go. That was the best one. That was the best... <laughs> What? You know, that's more interesting to me, actually, to keep it uh, away from press, which is something I'd love to talk to you about yeah. while we're drinking mojitos. Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it seems like more, uh, less interesting. Then I didn't know you did improv. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's so evident that you It's my do. only training. <laughs> I'm serious. Just, 
Just Add Water. There you go. Which was the name of a nude song. My punk band, Nude, had oh, a I've song. Heard. <laughs> I heard the tapes. <laughs> had a song Still called haven't recovered. Just Add Water, which was later renamed. Um, are I'm going to hold your oh, mic for you, you while you. Had a song about uh, Alanis Morissette because I didn't understand. I thought that pop stars were like talentless shills. Like I had heard that oh, that was done. Yep. From time to time, that boy bands were built. And then I just assumed everybody was like that. So we wrote a very mean song called Just Add Water, which is the name of your improv dame. It's true. I, th- I didn't know what that last word was. I thought improv it was dame. No, improv dame. You yes. tell me everything. Did you audition? I did. So here's how it worked. <laughs> I know. What year? Uh, this is you're 2006. At y- Yale. I'm at Yale. I'm a freshman. Yep. But I you're a in- fresh Yalian. I'm a fresh Yalian. I mm. come in. Uh, Everyone who goes into a school like Yale is a big fish in a small pond, with a few exceptions. You mean they were stars in their high schools? They were the stars in their high schools. And then every Chicago, too. Every white, tall guy from their improv team. Damn it. You're all here. (laughs) (laughs) We all got off like the same bus. It's like all the beautiful blondes in Des Moines end up in Hollywood. And I'm sure people feel that way in LA, too. Like, they do that in La La Land nicely, where Emma Stone's at the audition. And it's all the other yes. gorgeous redheads. So that's, that is exactly <laughs> the way. It, so I got to Yale and I had had a, an illustrious career in high school theater. Really. <laughs> Did you really? No, I just but was, you were in... I'd gotten the leads. Sure. And, you know, I had worked my way up the ladder. I was yeah, a yeah, senior. Yeah. Had your own yearbook page. Uh, well, yes, everyone you... <laughs> gets one. Do you, oh, small school? Uh, very small. I went. I went to a small school where we got a yearbook page oh. in junior high. Interesting status symbol, but I like that. It's a really quick way to describe how rich the school is oh. that you went to. I remember a teacher of us reprimanding us for acting fools, and he was like, "I did the math. This school costs fifty dollars a day." <laughs> like he said that to, to frighten us, to motivate. And you. we were like, "We don't know what that means," <laughs> and then continued pooping in a water. We still get friend. allowances. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't know what that meant. Um, so I get to Yale and I audition for the main stage musical that fall, which was You're in Town. You're in Town. You're in Town, which is really funny. It's a kind of dystopian show about water shortage, and the the first song I believe is called "It's a Privilege to Pee" because oh. flushing a toilet becomes. Something that only the wealthy, fancy people can do. And yep. anyway, it's like actually really. has a great bit about six gallons of fresh water and we poop in it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind That's of like one really... of the. It's one of the preposterous things. You don't even need to have an enlightenment. Any person can go like, what are we doing? Like, all the this time. This is crazy. All the time. Right? Yes. Literally all the time. All Especially we... in the shower. Yeah. It just hits me. Have up... you ever taken a bucket shower? Have you ever lived? I have. Li- I have bucket showered in Africa. Yeah. That's where I did Have it. you done it too? Yeah. I lived in Ghana for a couple months. You did? Yeah. And I bucket showered. And when I got back to yeah. the US, I was like, I'm never taking a normal shower again. I'm only bucket. And then I, I was like, I'm not going to, I didn't buy a bucket and put it in my shower. And it also felt really nice to have a full long shower. We, well, I also went to the Amazon where we bucket showered. Yep. And uh, actually we river showered. Okay. It was a little bit better. Although looking back, I would never get in that river. Why? First what, of all, what do you know now that you didn't all know All the then? kids were like pooping in there. So like walking in was like poop city. Yeah. They told us never walk in. Get a canoe ride in. That's what the local. Oh, because you wait. Things go to the shore. Yeah, with yeah. The tide. They so you got need to it. go out to the middle. Go to the middle, then get out. Then yeah. do your bathing there. And we were just like, nah, it's fine. We were in the Amazon. Crazy. We used to joke sealing all orifices, which meant we like tightened up our butt cheeks. Yeah. 
No, I think that I was way. Seventeen. Was you were stupid. seventeen in the Amazon. It was very dumb. Yeah, I went on, th- and then I went to Africa when I was eighteen. And these are bucket shower places. Yeah, and I they're also sleep in hammock places. Uh huh. And I was like, I'm with gonna netting? sleep in a Did hammock. You have mosquito netting. Of course, with a netting. Of course. I'd wake up. There'd be like a lizard on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is amazing. Oh, I had a whole ritual before bed of of um praying of to the bugs, <laughs> bug spraying around the circumference of my netting you've never needed bug spray more a hundred percent deep like yeah, that literally. like rei stuff. on my on my extremities yep because i was so convinced i was going to get malaria and then i actually ended up getting a really bad bacterial infection that stayed with me really? for like a year yeah i also got a weird infection it's like going to India i know and drinking except the water. <laughs> i got it from eating a different cuisine in that country every no. Ghanaian meal i had was unbelievable Totally fine. Went I to- went to an Indian restaurant. No, and had chicken. Are and had chicken that was no, uncooked. Yeah, get out. I'm with you. I ate goat. I ate yeah. snake. I yeah. ate armadillo. I ate all these weird things. And I think it was actually just the water that something yeah. in the water got me sick. Never went away, and you carried it for a year. I carried it for a year. I haven't. I haven't talked to anybody that had that. I couldn't explain it to anybody, but something in my. You know how you have two sphincters, one here and one here. No, that's you have news a to me. Pyloric sphincter like, oh. in your throat. Okay. So that that's what keeps things. Is that where reflux happens? That's where reflux is shooting acid through that. Yeah, it's cool. a, it's a, yeah, exactly right. Wow. Quick learner. Well, I mean, I see the commercials. Yep. I see those red arrows going yeah, all the true. way up. They're and very they're, clear. They're volcanic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's very violent. But I, I felt very different in that air in this area, just like the chest area, and I couldn't explain it to anybody. It was very lonely. Oh. And the treatment was very was worse than the disease too, because you go to some Venezuelan. No offense, Venezuela, but I went to some like small hospital. In They're Venezuela, in a rough moment currently. And they were like, They're "Drink having, this." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." And that was a rough moment. for I me. I promise, my treatment was worse. No way. What happened? And I'm sorry, pod audience. Yeah. This is going to be kind of. I'm going to try to do this delicately in case you're eating or it's early or sure. whatever it is. I what happened was there are these things called trotros in Ghana, which is like the public transportation. Trotro. And they're buses, but they're crammed full of people, and the sh- the shock absorption in the wheels is not great. So going through the roads, it's really bumpy. Sure. And if you have a bacterial infection, that means like you have you meal, and then you have 15 minutes till you got to vacate somewhere. Wow. The trotro experience was taxing. Yeah, sure. Taxiing. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say it. I know. It sounded like I was talking about something serious, so you waited. I appreciate it. I pulled it from your brain. So I um, ended up, I was just clenching. I was just sure. for most of my day. Sealed orifices. Yes. We both what reminded done the me tight of that. Buns. You were basically holding in a poo on a jet ski. That's a joke I've been holding for a while. Like I appreciate you, you embargoing it. <laughs> oh, that was a twofer. That was a twofer. Thank you so the much. The second one came while I was saying the I'm verse. I'm so honored. I'm honored. What were you doing in Ghana? I spent my, the summer before my, let's see, what was it? My senior year in college, in right outside of the capital, which is Accra. And I was working at an NGO called Theater for Change that, oh, we need to come back to improv. Yeah, well, Loose ends it. are going to drive right me crazy. Okay, good. I'm glad improv, you're on top Ghana. of it. Um, and uh, I 
just I wanted to work there. My dad had visited; it sounded amazing, and I wanted to spend a summer there. And it, like, looking, he loved it. Your, your dad yeah, went he to loved, it. loved it. Yeah, he went See, and loved I've, it. I've been to Uganda, but I wouldn't say I loved it. I, I would really? say that it oh, was. That's next on my list. Oh, really? Yeah, Uganda. Because when I was going to Uganda at the passport place, they were like, "Because you fly into Kenya, yeah. and then you're going to Uganda, right?" And they're yet. like, "Why are you going to Uganda?" That's what everyone really? said. Everyone said. I'm talking about the officials. What years were you there? It was 1997. Okay. Okay. And I don't know if that was a worse time for Uganda or whatever, but uh, I, I, I liked it, but it wasn't like... I cannot wait to go. Because my co-star, Daniel Kaluuya, is, his whole family's from there. No way. Yeah, he's Ugandan by way of the UK. So okay. he grew up in London, and um, but his mom and dad are both from Uganda. And he was like, when you go, tell me, because a thousand people will show up and they're my family. <laughs> no yeah. way. His parents so you have, have a million. Uganda in. Also, I was like in slums and stuff. I was, I was, yeah. you know, in a bad, a bad part of Uganda. I guess there might be, yeah. uh, there must be beautiful oh, parts. Oh, definitely. There's beautiful country. parts. I just got back from Kenya for the second time and I was in Rwanda and I was like, I mean, Rwanda has really come back from the most intense situation yeah. imaginable where they had two sides of their countries pitted against each other in the most brutal way. And the country, while it, it, it is not pretending to be completely better, which is very appealing to me. And the mm. younger generation who's missing so many parents and grandparents, it's like they are left to decide what their country's mark is going to be and mm. what it's going to feel like mm. and i left feeling this sense of like deep hope because without the guidance of elders in a lot of cases the kids have just decided to be a loving open place wow and it's really wonderful that's and i great. love kenya i mean kenya is amazing well that's but, what everybody said they were like why aren't you staying here in kenya because they i think oh, they think most white tourists just want to see an elephant in the yes, wild and going to true. uganda isn't is more of a I have to imagine it's more of a traditional or a normal. It's like coming to the U- U.S. and going to, I don't know, Rhode Island or something. Yeah. Rhode Island's a tourist state. I should have said. No, Rhode Island is pretty. I mean, Connecticut. Yeah. We can say Connecticut. Connecticut. That's where I'm from. There you go, Connecticut. And to that point, I do recognize how cringy it is to listen to two lily white people talk about Africa I on a podcast. Know. But at least, okay, I've heard so many white people make the mistake that Africa is a country. Sure. And it's not? I, I'm just kidding. Oh god! <laughs> I just think like I, I don't know. I I absolutely loved the experience because first of all, it was the first time in my life that I had, for an extended period of time, been a minority, which I think yeah. is an absolutely vital thing to experience at like some Mzungu. point. Mzungu. What'd you say? Mzungu. What's Mzungu? They don't say Mzungu to you? No, they said a Bruni for Ooh, white girl. Mzungu yeah. is white guy. Yeah, but that that must be Swahili or uh, Afrikaans or no? There's like a. There's, There's a like billion. A, like There's a hundred thousand languages. This is why this is why Americans are like adverse to knowing about Africa because they're like, oh, you want to learn about Africa? Here's a billion facts. Yeah, like, well, I've I been there, and I'm all. like, yeah. No, that's called tree. It's the um, I think a Bernese tree. I can't remember. It could be what. Well, okay. Anyway, I got Mzungu, and I would yell back Mudagafu, which means black person, because what? And it, it didn't work. Like, yeah, I I'm that was not funny. surprised. Yeah, I was 17. <laughs> I was trying to do a bit. I keep forgetting. Well, I was 17 too. I know, and they'd say Bernie, and I'd be like, hi. I'm an embarrassing ham. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I thought it was funny. They go, white person. I go, black person. That's yeah, a bit. Yeah, but being the minority, that, that's what I loved about it is that um, it 
that's not an experience that is readily available in the U.S. Yeah. And so that was kind of the first thing that confronted me and the thing that also stayed with me the longest. Aside, I'd already really cared about HIV and AIDS work, and I continue to do that today, and I had done it before. But the thing that made the most indelible impression on me was just being the minority and how that feels, mm. even without the added bullshit of people ascribing value judgments because that was not happening in a negative way to me as it happens to black people in the U.S. and all over the world. Well, didn't you get a feeling of being the magical white person? Uh, Not magical, but just the white person in a room, you know, which is... All I mean by magical is that it was like seeing a celebrity. Oh, interesting. It's like, oh, there's a white person. I've never seen a white person. That's That's why people are yelling Mzungu is it's like... Holy shit. Oh, yeah. There's a leprechaun. Yeah. You know? Oh, I think it was different. This is the misunderstanding. I was oh. in a city. Ah. So it wasn't, I yeah. wasn't in a rural area, although yeah. I went to a few of them um, throughout my time there, but I primarily was in a city. So it was, you know, a metropolis. Accra right. is huge. They just had the World Cup there for soccer. And, um, but anyway, so. You were saying the feeling of being a minority. Yeah, was really without powerful. Without negative attribution. Yeah, exactly. And that was. That was, an, you know, one of the many limitations to my ability to put myself in someone's shoes. Yeah. And um, I had also gone on a trip to the Civil Rights South when I was in... Gone on? Uh, eighth, gone on. Eighth grade. And we drove around the South through the Civil Rights Landmarks. And that was the other time we were in very, like, you know, black cities. Mm. And I was, you know, this, like young white girl like suddenly also for the first time being a minority Mm -hmm. which was amazing and it also felt appropriate because I was visiting places that were sacred because of and not personally but things that white people had done to black people Mm -hmm. throughout history Mm -hmm. and so that felt like a really important experience but I wasn't living in those places I was just visiting Mm -hmm. and um, the privilege of being able to leave a space and go back to the place where you are the majority is something that I think a lot of people don't consider. It's like reverse culture shock. Yeah, 100%. It's like culture salve. Yeah. (laughs) And so living in a place where you're the minority permanently, you Mm -hmm. wake up, you go outside, you go to bed, no matter what, is really healthy. I think it's really important Mm -hmm. because it helps helps empathize. It doesn't get you all the way there. And I've been thinking about this a lot because of the movie, but there's such a limit to empathy and compassion because there's a certain line where if it hasn't been your experience, I I truly think it's just impossible. And that's the problem. Uh, Here's what I'm about to say. It's crazy. That's the problem with the world is we don't have enough time for conversion moments with everyone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the things that really changed my worldview were personal experiences. Yeah. And then you just go around kind of explaining the time you were at the beach. You right. You know what I mean? And everyone's like, what? They've never been to the beach. And you're like, oh, there's water and there's sand. Yeah. And, and then you're the guy who won't stop talking about the time exactly. you went to the beach. Yeah. Then you're just an annoying vegan or, or an annoying whatever you are. Right. Or what, I wasn't even thinking about veganism, but like you love gay people. And it's because you know gay people, even as someone like me was raised, that's wrong, that's an abomination or whatever it was. Yeah. Then I started meeting lots and lots of gay people. I still, we gotta, I'm so excited college. for the third act so we can talk about religion. Uh, I have so, I'm so interested. <laughs> we'll we wait. We'll it wait. It's funny, Birbiglia interviewed me yesterday. So he was the me. Uh-huh. And he brought up religion in the middle, which is fine. But then after I kind of spouted about it, I was like, see, this is why we do it at the end. It's a, it's a conversation it's killer. It's too big. It's like, it's like the hourglass shape of an essay. It's yeah. like if you get super wide at the bottom and then you have to go back in, it doesn't make That's sense. That's right. That's really true. I've never heard that. All of my analogies are school-based. I love it. I say PEMDAS all the time. Do you remember PEMDAS? I always no. think that when you say Ram Dass, I think PEMDAS. PEMDAS. What does that mean? PEMDAS is parentheses 
uh, do you remember this? Oh, it's like Exponent, PE, multiplication, division, yeah. um, addition, subtraction. Wow. And so it's the order that you do things. So when I show up to like, I don't know, a, a thing that has like a set order, like an award show or something, I'll be like, yeah. what's the PEMDAS of the day? Wow. And, and it's every once in a while someone gets it and it's really exciting. That is very exciting. But it's like, a, it's an algebra trick. Yeah. I had a joke where I said foil. First, yeah, yeah, yeah. First Saturday exactly. Last. And it almost never worked. Yeah, well, yeah. I also know it would have worked for me. Pythagorean? No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, Pythagorean. No, thing. it's not that quadratic formula yeah. because my professor or teacher put it to the tune of Yellow Submarine. Da, da, so, da, da. Oh, so I always knew it. The Hey, please sing it. Oh, no, I won't. But uh, it minus B, plus or minus yeah, the square yeah. root of. That's the by. The square root of <laughs> B squared minus 4AC all over 2. All over is another by. 2A. Wait, what's by? Why do you keep saying that's another by? It's a by. Oh, me, a B-U-I. B-U-I. Okay, sorry. See, I'm using terms that no one understands while I explain another term no one <laughs> understands. That's my PEMDAS is yeah. it's a by. That's a writer term. You know that is term. It? Of course I do. It's a pretty I big you by that Marnie would. I thought you were saying B-Y. <laughs> I thought it was part of the song. Nope. And I was like, you're multiplying a lot more than I remember. Here's the thing that I catch myself doing, and it's something that my mother specifically and a little bit my father does, is they say things that there's no way you could understand, and they don't mind. They're just like, it's talk kind of- about a tuna ta-ta. What, mom? Context clues, <laughs> <Yeah>. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Exercise your mind. They just yell at me that I, it's my, that's actually what they would do. Probably. They would be like, it's your fault, but Extend you Extend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Come to me. They're silly billies, though. I know. Oh, we could talk. We could talk about fans. We could talk about your fans. Oh, yeah, my family. Mine's a pretty simple story. It's- yeah. Pretty happy. Well, they're smart people's. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah, okay. you were you were talking. Keep going. Wait, well, oh, oh, yes. So the limits of compassion. So I think I think one of the biggest misconceptions about um, just I don't know the movie and all the issues therein is that there's a point to there's which a we gentrification will, theme. Yes, because I'm trying. I'm not. I didn't watch a preview. I'm oh, very good. excited. Good for you. I'm okay, here's the excited. basic premise. I'm like really excited. I'm really I, happy. I'm, you're excited. I'm embarrassed that I haven't seen it. But it's a ten out of ten. We were out of town. Emily Gordon was like, "Let's go see it." I, I felt oh my gosh, so bad. Emily I Gordon's see gonna it. see it. She saw it. <gasps> loved it. Everybody loves it. Oh my God, and it's I love it's her. here's the when Seth Rogen, hoo hoo, pennies dropped. Um, <laughs> that's what British people say instead of name drop. Really? I don't know what it means either. That's so mean because that's our currency. I know. What's that about? Unless a pen, I guess, a, is a is one pen. Unless it's a the pen? things that we wore in scrimmages. Yeah, like a is that a penny? I always it, said penny, but is it penny? Some people pronounce know. penny. I don't know. Is that word spellable, or does it only exist on the lips of teens? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've even heard it, penny. You haven't, like a, a like a, a, a like, jersey. Yeah, the green smelly things that came out of a mesh bag <laughs> that you throw on. They to, do smell. Oh god, like a, like a Just, bad boy or a good cheese. Yeah, exactly. Young bo, <laughs> like before you know how to handle. <laughs> All young boys smell like shoes and but farts. girls too. Do yeah, really? that's very true. Yeah, any, that... any room that a young boy has been in for long enough yeah. smells like shoes and farts. Shoes, removed shoes, obviously. Yeah, really, not quickly. sealed shoes. Yeah. removes shoes after a game of ultimate frisbee Ugh. and quite a few mesh farts, like mesh filtered mesh, mesh short farts because <laughs> the boxers. <laughs> Fresh short filtered farts. Yeah, exactly. We were saying, what were we saying? Oh, I was going to describe Get Out very vaguely. Oh, yeah. That's the uh, only way I like to describe it. I'm so So, sorry, but my enthusiasm interrupted you. Basically, it is uh, I bring my black boyfriend home to meet my parents, who are well meaning liberals, and I assume they're not going to care that he's black, so I have not told them that he's black. Yep. 
And then once he gets there, I realize that they and some other people around are starting to behave weirdly. And so then it becomes about um, kind of what that does to our relationship and what it does to my relationship with my family. And um, anyway, I can't, I really can't keep describing it. That's literally the first 20 minutes and I can't tell you anything else. And then there's an inciting incident? So weird. <laughs> the Dark Knight of the Soul is dark. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I love uh, Jordan. I'm so obviously. excited. I'm so happy for him. It's done really well. It's How is he of, as a director? Is this his de- debut? Yes. Wow. And and mine too. So I was really your debut as what? As a film actress. Well, movie, you're, movie you're actress. You're an actress. You just I've never to been a in bigger, a movie. They play the girls' different. premiere on a big old screen. Is it? Tell me. It's Tell me super how. different. How? I didn't longer. Think- but shorter too. Because with Marnie, I was like, I can come back every week and every year. Right. So people had six years to get to know her. And with Rose, I needed people to like know her deal within 15 minutes so the action can start. Whoa. Never thought about that. And then you only have an hour and 15 minutes left. And then you're off. Yeah. I'm assuming some screaming and running. Don't Not gonna answer even that. answer. <laughs> yeah. Not even with my face. <laughs> you didn't. You um, killed it. Thank you. I never would have been able to keep my face as still as yours. Really? You were like a statue. I've no. been doing this for like three weeks now. It's really hard. <laughs> I feel like I could withstand light questioning from a scary man. Um, I love it. So that's like, that was the weirdest thing to me. And also the idea, this is kind of hard to explain, but you're working off of a single document of a script and you can dog ear or cross out pages, which I do as you finish scenes. And it's so finite. Mm. And it occurs to you immediately how finite it is. Yeah. That even the little shot inserts, once you cross those out, there's like an eighth of a page less for you to do on this pro- experience right. yep. ever. Yep. And it's not like you get to come back and this whole group is never going to be together. Again. I would have that with Crashing as, as well. Was I'd write a scene and sometimes they were years in the making. Sometimes yeah. they were something I journaled five years ago yeah. and would shoot it and it would take 45 minutes. Yes. You know, it, it, it didn't really, but it, it felt no, like 45 it's... minutes and you're like, we got it. And you're like... What? It's so crazy. But the nice thing about something like Crashing, and hopefully you guys will have more episodes next season. Uh, you had eight, wood? right? That's weird. Yes. <laughs> I know. Hard to tell. Hard to tell. No no shade meltdown. That's foam. That That's is foam. Don't knock foam. Well, this is definitely wood. Or as they say in Britain, like Penny's Drop, they go, touch wood. Oh, yes. I know. knock wood. They go, touch wood. Touch wood is so... Sexual, right? Yeah. Touch wood. And it's such a grab tease. a nearby, like <laughs> Lena in the most recent. Uh, Brill, brilliant. Brill, fave ever. Shepherd, fave ep ever. Really, fave ep ever. I really love it. You know, it's it. second fave. Thank you. You and the sw- swimming in that disgusting Central Park pond, which was real, right? With JK. a swimming pool in Chelsea. I sure hope so. Yeah, but boy, we never. That's that's where Val and I. That's where I was going to propose to Valerie. Really? Because we had this really nice moment. I didn't. Where we had this really nice moment where we just really saw and loved each other. Does that? Mm. I don't really want to go into details. Uh, But uh, what am I talking about? That's where you were. But that's where we were. And then we walked around the corner. And and that's we go on that walk every time we're in New York. Can I tell you something really funny? Hit it. If you wanted to propose her in the real place of our episode, you would have been in Staten Island. Is that right? (laughs) Yes, because we shot the exterior of us flying off the, in boat, the boat into a mat on the water yes in a pond on Staten Island I love it because the water quality in Central Park no bueno. if it's better in Staten Island how bad is it in Central Park not good not good <laughs> you, can, you can put a body in there Breaking Bad style it'll, it will dissolve yeah that's a fact that's the only way to get rid of a body right but you also walked barefoot yes you dissolve why? it 
the ethical thing of and Jed and I have talked about this where in Knocked Up they make the joke that you, a girl can't get pregnant if she's on top remember that joke? yes I remember it and I was like is that okay and that's what <laughs> makes it so funny and then in, in Breaking Bad I was like you're teaching a lot of crazy people how to get rid of a body oh, right yeah, I was now. talking to someone the other night who's a baker <laughs> and she was saying after two episodes of Breaking Bad she was like I could do that yep that's it. Yeah. And you need to, you got to get the right one. Don't get the one with the wrong symbol. Yes. Because that's what Jesse did. She was like, no, 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 I got this. Yes. And I was like, all right, do with that what you will. And I people guess. that love crafts. <laughs> Murder is the ultimate craft. I guess so. It's a craft project. Yeah. No. JK, please don't murder people. No, because it involves your soul. I, I guess actually people who murder are very uninvolved in any way other than like eyeballs. I, you mean just looking at they have eyeballs, but they're not detached experiencing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like our I listen to a lot people. of um, true crime podcasts. I feel like every woman I know has a secret, and the secret is they love watching cold case files. <laughs> yes, <laughs> except I reenactments drive me crazy. So uh, I listen. I like the auditory experience uh-huh. better. I don't know what it is. I've had theories before. I'm not going to bore you with them, but women being so gentle on one hand, but also loving. The darkness. My interest in it comes from a very specific place, which is that I feel like I'm very intrigued by characters like that. You mean murderers? And yeah. yeah. And and people that... I think everybody is, right? The but as a, fascination. As an actor. Yeah. Totally. Oh, as actors. Yeah. Like the idea of playing someone that has no redeeming qualities. Yeah. And finding a way in. Right. I use these as an exercise in finding a way into someone who is objectively terrible. Yeah, interesting. Who has even given up on themselves. Well, Marn has notes of... Yes, Marn totally. Marn sure is doing a lot of fucking with uh, The cheating. wrong people. Cheating. Always. She's always doing cheating. Yes. It's, and the, it's the mistakes she makes over and over and over again. Over and over. Yeah. Which is a very kind of spiritual it's very idea. Human. It's like the It's the She's wheel on the mandala. Samsara. Yeah, exactly. You're on a mandala. You keep making the same mistake. Yeah. Because as Duncan Trussell would say... You, you're wiping the movie screen, but you have to go in the projector room and clean the lens. Yeah. Isn't that good? good? Duncan. He's great. He's so good. He's amazing. So that's, tell Marnie next time you see her. Oh, I don't know if I'll ever see her again. <laughs> movie, Why would you say movie, that? I know. Movie, I hope so someday. Six seasons and a movie. Um, Sorry, keep going. I keep... I can't remember where we were. We were at... You were talking about Staten Island and if you want to propose, and, and I said that was my favorite episode, and we were talking about girls... And girls and um, God, how did we get on the topic? Of girls? The gross water was in the girls' conversation. Before gross water, what was before gross water? We were talking about Africa, that's for sure. No, it was after Africa. It was after Africa. Oh, Jordan Peele gentrification. Jordan Peele, yes. as he is a director. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Divine. There we go. And we can also use this to come back to improv. Yeah, because, yeah, perfect. Okay, so Jordan is perfect. Abs- absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So this was, he's been working on this script, either writing it directly or just kind of ruminating on it for five years or something in that area. So this is something that's just been in his head. It's been stuck in his head. He'd put it away, come back to it, you know, tweak little things, leave it, walk away from it. And he just couldn't let it go. And it was born from this false sense. This is how he describes it. It was born from the false sense of post-racial politics and life mm-hmm. in an Obama America. That there was this idea that white people were like, are we good? We're good. The black president. We're good, right? Oh, I see. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah, Good yeah, job, yeah. guys. Right. Great. Great meeting. You know what it reminds me of? A, a bad boyfriend who marries his girlfriend. And he's like, we good? Yeah, uses it as an excuse to be worse. To just keep being himself. I gave you what I what you wanted. Right. As you're like 
Yeah, exactly. Southern Comfort or something. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of what motivated him to make it because at first glance, it does seem odd that he would make this movie. He would start working on this movie at a time when white people thought race relations were pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. But for the black community, according to Jordan, it was pretty frustrating because mm. it felt like a lot was being swept under the rug and then it kind of erupted all at once in the last three years with the um, you know reactions to police right. shootings and stuff like that. So this was written um, sort of in that mindset and he had never directed a feature before, but he wanted this to be his first. And... Um, there was not even a I moment just saw on set whispering to a, a reel of film going i want you to be my first <laughs> we shot digital cuz we not fancy like oh, shit. You. but it was he is so good yeah he's so good at work like each actor in the movie is very different in terms of the way we work he was able to tailor direction to each of us perfectly as if he'd been doing it for years really his ability to delegate and also defer to other people if he didn't know the answer to something but you know, conversely, his ability to fee- feel very strong and staunch in his instincts about things made him so trustworthy because he felt like a really solid place to moor mm. myself. Mm. And so I could come to him as the ultimate authority. I'm very spoiled about that from Lena, the same writer, director, mm-hmm. one stop shopping. Mm-hmm. So with Jordan, I can come to him and there's no one who's going to have a better authority or opinion on whatever I'm wow. asking. He's always going to know the most. And he's also really collaborative, but also was able to put his foot down and say, no, this is actually the way it should be. Without talking about the movie, because yeah. I really want to keep it I'm fresh just it. for me. Yeah. Uh, forget the listeners. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for anyone. No, me neither. What are what are some of the issues that are being dealt with and what what are we to do as, as ignorant white, white folk? Yeah, so a, a big part of it, just kind of on a meta, there's a lot about it that's almost a meta narrative the first thing being that um it our protagonist is a black man and it's in the genre of horror right and so already you're subverting major major trends right the black guy's supposed to be the guy that that dies first yes typically it's the the guy who dies first the scream trope exactly and so now instead you're putting audiences through this entire experience through Daniel Kaluuya, who plays Chris's eyes, and you're going through it with him. And by the end, you're with him so hard mm-hmm. that people are cheering as things happen in the right, theater. Right. And so that in and of itself for white audiences, when you're watching a movie where you're watching someone try to get out of something that's scary, it puts it aligns you with them so fiercely in a way that other genres may not be able to. Mm-hmm. So that already is exciting. But the other thing is the idea that that same audience gets to experience this movie in the shoes of a black person experiencing these things. Mm-hmm. And so the when you're in the audience and you hear a certain part of the audience laughing at a joke that you don't get, it causes introspection and it mm. causes you to wonder, what about that joke did I not understand? And there are a lot of small faux pas that white people make. Like one person, this is in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything, but one of the white people says, you know, I know Tiger, referring to Tiger Woods. And so you mean knows him in real life. Yeah. He's just saying, I know him, but he's only saying it to Chris because, because he's, he's black. black. Yeah. So it's things like that, that people may not realize they might think that they're trying to bridge a gap. Right. When in reality, they're just saying, oh, don't forget that you're different. Well-intentioned buffoonery. Exactly. Leading to further. Right. Distance. And so that's why the brilliance of having this set in a liberal world, because it is, 
it's just as damaging potentially, but it's much more carefully disguised. Mm. And that's also why it's pissing people off. You know, that reminds me watching the Oscars last night. It's pissing people off. I'm sure it is. Oh, I haven't that's... even, I haven't had time to look, but I'm positive it is. That's I'm sure so it's funny. called anti-white. Oh my God. I was watching uh, the Oscars and of course they do all the Matt Damon things. And I remembered my, you know, on this podcast, somewhat famous to weirdos inter- interaction with Matt Damon where I just blew it. Yep. And what I did with I, him. By the way, for the audience, I'm a full weirdo. <laughs> like full on have listened to every episode. It's, it's so stupid. crazy. I love it. I'm so honored. But, I, you know, I went up to him and I tried to relate in this awkward way that probably just made him feel terrible. I'm not saying black people, when they're in a minority situation where it's all white people, feel like celebrities. But I think I impose that same sort of like, hey, I've, I know you. Yes. I know. I just talked to Ben Affleck. Yes. You know what I mean? And he's like, I don't know okay. what to say yeah. to that. Yes. You know? And I said, have you been back to Boston? And he goes, No. I know. He was probably the story thinking, hurt the first time. I know. It just keeps, doesn't get better with age. It doesn't get age. better, but it's just like, I think there's a, a parallel there to how my father, for sure, if oh, yes. he meets hundred, an Indian perfect, woman, perfect would be example. like, you know, I like non. Yes. You yes. Know what I mean? Yes. And I totally. know my dad, my dad's 70 something, 70, who knows, 74. You and should know. I, he you should know. know how old I am. Yeah. Go okay. ahead and let's give him a call. Fair. <laughs> I, you know, I, speaking of cycles, I should break the cycle. I should learn everything about my family and know their favorite books know, and sandwiches. Do you know like where everyone comes from and heritage and grand great grandparents' names and stuff did, like that? He just did the com because he was tired of. I swear to God, he was tired of people assuming we weren't Irish. Oh, this is and, the funniest. And thing. were you Irish? Was it proven? Yeah, it, it turns out that he's like fifty percent. Like, okay, that's solid. The solid, good. It's it's still a fail. Do you know your grandparents' <laughs> first names? No. Interesting. No, I only met one of them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The rest were all gone. So family heritage is not. And her name was something in Lithuanian. I know her maiden name. What was it? <laughs> I don't want to say it because it's so many bank things. <laughs> What do you mean? You know, it's always like when you call the bank and they want to prove it's you, they say, what's your mother's maiden oh, name? Oh, well, you didn't have to say that. That's true. <laughs> but that's always the security question, isn't it, for you? Oh, well, I don't... I use um, this little trick, a totally unrelatable one, but it. because so much of this is Googleable now, I use someone else's... Someone I know very well, I use their answers to everything. Dunham. <laughs> imagine if I just use like another really Googleable, thorough Wikipedia entry it's answers. Really funny. Can I ask you an obnoxious, yeah. famous person question? Of course. Is Postmates in your name? Is is Grubhub going to Allison Williams? Um, yes, but this is why I have two phones. So I have two. I have a phone for things like that, and for people that I you know know, but I'm not. Burner. I don't see all the time. And then I have a and you know an intimates. You have an Intimates phone? I have a brown panties phone. <laughs> <laughs> With bell stickers on the back. Brown panties. Yeah, exactly. Brown panties. I love that. I totally love that. Yeah. I totally agree. Okay, I get it. I was just interested in that. Yeah. Because it's not a problem. But no, the I number always of people wonder the same thing. I have really. And go, hey, you're a comedian. I'm like, and now you know where I live. Yes. <laughs> Which is it's fine. very strange. It's I'm obsessed with cybersecurity, though. I think it's are fascinating. Really? Yeah, I'm really into it. I'm... And what do you do? You want well, to... you just two factor on everything. How about this thing? Boom. What's two factor? Oh, two ways of signing. Two factor. In. Yeah, because then it's really hard 
It's not impossible, but it's still very, very hard. And I'm obsessed with catching phishing emails. It's my passion. What's it? Uh, you want to find them, and then what do you? No, do No, they with get them? sent to me, and I love being able to immediately identify them as phishing. Oh, I see. Yeah. What's it? I, they're pretty obvious, though. Are they ever? Not sneaky? always. I've had some amazing ones. Really? Someone uh, created a photographer's email address out of thin air that wasn't his that I had just worked with, and he sent me an email saying, "I have some behind the scenes footage." From our photo shoot recently, and there's something about the font and the the distance of the language that just felt unreal to me. That's really funny. And so You're giving I didn't cri- click on it. Constructive criticism to fish people. I know. <laughs> yeah. By the way, be better. <laughs> Deserve it. Uh, <laughs> earn it. But you know what is so crazy is like that is really sophisticated. That's really sophisticated on two levels. It's appealing to my vanity. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, really that's good. That's pretty brilliant. I think I might have fallen for that. I'm afraid I would have been like, send the photos. Behind the scenes, those are always better. <laughs> are candid. they candid? Yeah, exactly. I'd love to see a candid of me laughing earnestly. Yeah, exactly. So, so yes, back to Jordan because I'm never done talking about Jordan. Jordan and also what white people should know. Microaggressions like yeah. saying, you know, I'm a big prior fan. Yes, literally anything nope. that that is a signifier that you see them as outside of you or whatever the social interaction is, is, is really off-putting. Exactly. And I I can have this conversation with, uh, you know, some of our black guests, but what did you learn? Like, what was something that you were like, shit, I do that. Is there anything? I'll admit that I do the, I think it's fascinating the way white people change in tiny ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? It starts with like likelihood of a soul shake goes up. So oh, suddenly see, I never get offered that. You're doing like a people immediately identify me as the wrong the um, wrong soul shake of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just look like don't soul shake. We just bow at each other. That's really funny. <laughs> don't even engage in any way. Yeah, we just hello. Yes, but you know I do this with all my podcast guests. Like Phoebe Robinson did this, and I just caught myself saying calling her girl and all that. Stuff. Oh, like, interesting. I love yes, that is morphing into whoever I'm talking to. Yeah, though. that's like, true. But uh, not to defend myself, but. I do notice that I do that with with some of the some of my black friends. I'll just start. Yeah, I'll say things like, "Oh, that's your boy." Oh, yes. You know what I mean. So that's a big is part of the bad? movie is that Martin or Marnie, not Marnie, Rose's dad is um, says my man a lot, and she's never heard him say that before. Oh, and so boy. that's something that she picks up. On. I'm curious though. I wonder if this is a gray area because. When I, like Kenya Barris is one of my good friends. Yeah. And when we Amazing. hang out, I call him Playboy. And I say things that I don't say to other people. Yeah. I don't know if I'm supposed to stop Ask doing him how that. he feels about it. He knows I'm doing it. No, I know. He knows I'm a corny white guy. The question then, is, has he ever felt like he was allowed to tell you that it was uncomfortable for him? With Kenya, absolutely. That's Kenya, what I would, that would be my guy instinct. That's like, Petey, shut up. Like, but that's he's ridiculous. The one, so that's the thing. He's the one to talk to about it. Yeah, you know I what know. I mean? I, I have spent the vast majority of my time in this like realm because I do a lot of work with horizons and I do a lot of work with HIV and AIDS stuff and education overall and the disproportionately terrible education that black and Hispanic and minority low income kids get in the U S and so I've spent the vast majority of my time listening and watching Mm. and learning because as I was saying earlier, I have had, I've been so lucky. I was basically given the education that if you wanted to give someone the best education they could have, that's what I had. And so the way I see that is I have this opportunity to try to replicate that for kids that 
are never seen as worthy by their schools. They're right. deemed okay for bad schools. Right. There shouldn't be good and bad schools. That doesn't make sense as a premise. school does seem just like code for a black school, especially in yeah, New York. Yeah, but also the idea that we've just accepted it as a thing that exists in alongside good schools like right. as if there were good kids and bad kids right is very weird and it's like so, forgotten kids yes. and remembered kids yes right. yes fussed over helicoptered over I actually thought I, this is a funny i don't it's not really funny but i was driving past some homeless people and they were wearing camouflage as a lot of them do which is heartbreaking because they're vets and i was like oh that's funny because most people can't see them wait have you seen the movie <laughs> m no this is the exact premise of the movie m what, what do you mean fritz lang you mean it's an old german film M. I'm writing. It I'm down. sounding very smart right now. I love it's an it. Old German film, and it's yeah, like the, the boorish wit of a alien. Yeah, it's the, the first <laughs> crime. I think it's like the first crime thriller, and there's a murderer in a small German town, and both the mob and the police want to catch this murderer. Oh, and the police try all of their usual tactics, but the mob comes up with this idea where if you deploy the homeless people in the town because they're invisible, invisible. they will be able to follow the murderer in a way that the cops can't. You don't see them. Brilliant. And I think someone should remake it. That's, yeah, let's remake it. Let's see the sequel to M, L, M, it would be N. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been so linear, V. <laughs> Is there something wrong with me? I don't know. No. <laughs> that's perfect. It's very so appealing to my mind. It's very tidy. Yeah, but as somebody who loves to look for like Asperger's and, and different ways of thinking, mm-hmm. not to label them, but I'm like, do I have that? Every time someone says something. Well, Asperger's doesn't exist anymore. What do you mean? It's gone? Yeah, in the latest DSM, it's not there anymore. Really? It's the autism spectrum disorder. See, I love the movie. We are Asperger's are us, which is about an improv team that back to improv. Yep, that has Asperger's. Everybody is on the spectrum in some way. It's really moving, really funny, really great. I love the movie very much. And at the end, I just started bawling because the guy goes, "It's not his quote. He's quoting somebody." He goes, "If you meet one pe- person with Asperger's, you've met one person with Asperger's." Yes. And I was like, ah, 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 "It's really that's true. all of us. It's really true. We're all giving ourselves labels that are it's, weird and amorphous, but certainly that one." I know. And the the tricky thing with that particular, well, I guess with autism spectrum disorder is that. Um, it gets lumped together so frequently and especially in terms of treatment and just how to work with it. It's yeah. so different for every single kid. I know. I mean, Did you see Life Animated? No. Oh my I? gosh, it was You're amazing. The second person to wreck. Ron story of his son. Animal. It's really oh, that, amazing. I, Judd told me about it. Yeah, it's amazing. You and as a Disney-obsessed person, it, yeah. I... I, I often have thought that that would have been my way in as well because it is kind of how I communicated anyway without having a, yeah. a, a bridge to cross communicatively. Knowing a little bit about what the movie's about, I had very complex relationships with my stuffed animals. And yeah, stuff. I wouldn't. I didn't mind going to bed early because I was like, I'm gonna go hang out with Garfield and Tigger. You oh know yeah, what I mean? it was just like They're this buddies. magical world. They were buddies. Yeah, very real. Very. Yeah. Real. Were you like that? Active imagination. I had the most active imagination. <laughs> That's part of what's so lucky is that. I got to be a, like a real classic kid, like yeah. a like a 1950s child yeah. in America. Like when it Chasing rained, I'd go outside, I'd put on galoshes and an umbrella, and I'd get outside and look at worms and see all the things that happened in the rain. Oh and my god! I'd just run around singing, and I was the most innocent child. And I love it. My entire childhood, I was in, I was encouraged to be whatever age I was. I didn't feel the need to grow up quickly. And again, mm. this is such a it's such a version of growing up that feels almost impossible these days, but is definitely limited by status. Yeah, I because know. it's something that 
it just. I was talking to Moshe, even mentioning that you own a house or something. If a friend says you own a house, it's like, oh, you are now in a privileged place. Like, yes. so many people. Yes, because think about it what it entails to, to own a house. But he, I, I feel like I'm not saying America used to be great. God forbid. I'm just saying. Should it be great again? Do you think? Look, it's time to get political. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's what I everyone feel like wants. There was a time that when my father, the way my father talked about it, it didn't seem crazy that people like working class people could afford homes. And now it really does seem like a privileged thing to me, just based on the people that I know. Yeah, most, I totally agree. Most people I know, I rented for a very long time. Having a house is a very new thing to me. And I was like, when did you have to be like a like a successful comedian to buy a, a very basic house? I don't live in a mansion. I own a basic house. And it's like, you know that house didn't used to be... I'm just picturing your house wearing an Ugg and holding a vanilla latte. It's a basic bitch house. <laughs> <laughs> um, the house yeah. itself was wearing Uggs. Yeah, that's I what know. I was picturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, yeah, I'm really entertained by that image. Um, <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to get up. off on that on that subject. No, it's, it's very interesting. I yeah anyway so I my my growing up was I went to nature center preschool so I grew up like spending a lot of time outside picking up poop trying to figure out who pooped it based on what's in it (laughs) owl pellets everything like just really Uh, into it you're Pocahontas saying yeah it's amazing yeah I was really comfortable outside in nature and your parents are very intelligent yeah so it seems to me that they could have been the type, like a lot of well-meaning upper middle class or whatever, intelligent people, parents, will push their kids tiger mom style or whatever it was. You have to learn cello or you have to learn Portuguese while your yeah. brain is still fertile. Well, I think the other thing that they identified about me really early is that I had all the engine I needed. And it came you had from your own within. Drive. I had my own drive. What a gift. I mean, I'm very grateful for it. Gift. However, it has meant that like I put an insane amount of pressure on myself. Right. And I always have, and now I'm, I'm, most of that is behind me in terms of perfectionism, but I think for a long time I did believe that perfection was possible. To is that right? In some way, or my version of perfection. Right. And letting go of even that idea that I will never be my own version of perfect was something that happened, I don't know, s- starting from when college came to a close and into my first year of adulthood. Is when you started grasping Yeah, failure. it's kind of once, Yeah. Exactly. As one of the colors. Well, no, I had failed, but I had just looked at it as this, as I had a, fallen short of this mark. Right. And we, where did you get that? You you think you just it had just it? It just was born into me. But you it was were, also the part of me that announced at like three that I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to do what <laughs> Julie Andrews did. Really? Yeah, 100%. I watched what they were doing on the screen, watching Wizard of Oz and Mary Poppins. And I was like, oh, that, great. That's the job I want. That's amazing. And I just performed all the time and I read a lot and I was precocious and curious. It's and funny though, verbal. because the type A self driven, uh, you don't mind that I call you type A. It seemed like you were very organized. No, I'm very comfortable with that terminology <laughs> at this point. Definitely not the, any other types. Right. That's I don't even clear. know what the other types are. I don't know. No one ever talks about There's them. There's type A. I think type B is just people who smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And type A. Uh, child, but also an artistic child. That's 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 a mixed. Like yeah. if that was in a a movie script, you'd be like, "Whoa, what a novel thing! What an interesting part! What a, like what pretty a... and doesn't know it." <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's the new classic. Oh God! Just but you vomit. wanted to have things in the right place and all that stuff and yeah. succeed, and you're hard on yourself, but you're also going out for the improv team. Like, yeah, that's strange. So thing. I so I went through, you know. I wasn't allowed to act till I graduated from college. Like that boys? was the rule. Really? Yeah. 
That was the rule. Do you think they knew you'd be okay? Like, yes, I mean, but I, I think they had, they knew based on that engine that they had come to know. They were yeah. like, oh shit, she's, she's not going to accept anything other than making it in some way. And yeah. they knew that even if I weren't acting and supporting myself acting for a while, I'd be doing other things to support myself and creatively fulfilling myself. And right, others. like you weren't fucking around. No, and you weren't going to take a handout even from your folks. No. I love it. That's why I'm, yeah. What and a so dream. That I, I started working at 14. I wanted to be financially independent as quickly as possible. Get out. What parents, are you, an old soul? You an old soul? Is, have people called you an old soul? Yes. That's much more crazy. when I was younger, though, and I don't know why that dissipates. Uh, <laughs> it makes, means so I'm getting older and it's less funny. noticeable. I'm reaching the age of my soul. I must be. That's so funny. Um, but I, um, yeah, so it, that's just kind of the way I was You wanted wired. to be sufficient. 14, where did you start working? At a farmer's market stand selling <laughs> mozzarella, pesto, and bread. Get out of my face with yeah. your mozzarella bread. I love how many times you saying get out. It didn't occur to me before coming here today, but you say, say it so it often. It's a big get And it's out. a plug every time. I know. I'll submit that information to Universal and you'll get some kind of extra credit for it. <laughs> um, but So that was my first job. And then I worked at, in sales. I was a sales associate at Ralph Lauren in case just my the idea of me as an image wasn't solidified enough. Yeah. That was where I worked. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I was, you know. Uh, Why the independence though? Um, my mom emphasized that to me. She said she was very. But my parents tried that too. They were like, it, "You can, we can buy you a car, or you can buy your own car. It'll mean more if you buy your own car." And I'm like, "Buy me a car!" Really? Did they buy you a car? When I, I got was an old car, 20... from, I had an old uh, retired car of theirs. Okay, I had a 1979 Pontiac Bonneville, so it wasn't like a fancy Jeez. car. It was my uncle's. It looked like every, all my friends that loved hip hop loved that car. Yeah, big blue we called it. it. Was blue, and they gave it to me because I got a scholarship that was like five grand a year, an academic scholarship that kicked in my sophomore year. So then that That's was a the big value deal. of the car. So I liked to say that I bought the car with the savings. <laughs> Which is just like everything you need to know in that, like yeah. the idea of how money works and savings yeah. and all I of that. Pass the savings back to me is yeah, what I said to my exactly. father, and he did. But you, it, well, it just okay, made well, sense. Here's the to other you. thing: my dad grew up kind of lower middle class, yeah, uh, very working class overalls. And what do you mean? Dirty rag. Like Dust Bowl? I'm just picturing your dad in the Dust Bowl. He was born in 59. <laughs> he was born in Elmira, New York, and so later went to Middletown, New Jersey. huge sideburns. Yeah, his mutton chop. Yeah, mutton chop sideburns. Um, and a dish rag. And he, sh- he shined, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he no, through. he was, um, so he grew up with a resentment of rich kids. Uh-huh. And suddenly he looked at himself in the mirror and he looked at his own kids and thought, if I keep doing well at my job... I'm going to be in the very weird position of raising two rich kids. Yeah. Rich. And I hate rich kids. He has like this prejudice against them. I yeah. did. And it's getting better. But it was one of the biggest things he had to overcome because he was so jealous of the kids that could get jeans at Levi's instead of Kmart yeah. for so long. Right. That suddenly confronted with my, myself and my brother, he was like, well, how do I do this in a way that we can actually be buddies and relate? And so right. it just manifested itself in work ethic. You, you Did aren't... Did they withhold the cash? Um, a little bit. I mean... Maybe. I, I don't, think all... It wasn't a big deal. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. It wasn't a big part of... But you also weren't wa- like walking around with $300. No, definitely <laughs> not. And those were the biggest fights because I must have seen that... 
it is tricky. It's Connecticut. So there's rich people everywhere. Right. And um, materialism kicks in at some point so fiercely and it's so disgusting. And mm. I don't know how you avoid it, but mm. at some point it mattered so much that I bought all my clothes at Limited too. And I wouldn't accept anything else. Right. And it's so arbitrary. I can, I can relate to that even though we weren't that well off. In fact, things were tight because my dad... Like, well, this is true across yeah. economic boundaries, I think. That this, there are certain the things that are just, you have to have them and other versions of it. I remember very vividly, very vivid memory being in the car with my mom and saying, it was the first day of school and I was wearing my new shoes. And I said, I hope no one has nicer shoes than me because I'm kind of the kid that always has the coolest shoes. And You're bragging mom, to your mom about your kids. And I thought she would get it. Like yeah. I, I was like, thanks for getting me these cool shoes. And it's not even like based on today's sneaker people. Yeah. I was not a sneaker person. Every yeah. year I got a new pair of shoes right before yeah, school. Yeah, back to school shopping. My back to school shoes. And your I'd feet wear... grow like an inch a day. Exactly. And yours, I presume, grew an inch every couple hours. It was hours. a nightmare. And I so would buy like the new Agassiz or something. Yeah. And I'd be like, I got the pink one. And they're really <laughs> cool. And then my mom got real quiet in that way that I knew I had said something wrong. But I didn't understand because kids are maybe more susceptible to the the message that we're all getting, young and old. Definitely. Getting, Advertising's so good. It's, it's so effective. It works. Yeah, and it, cool it, kids are very powerful. Yes, exactly right. And somehow they're all, they're usually wealthier. The wealthy kids are the cool kids. Kind of. Because they have the, the, the shit. Yeah. They got so, the stuff. So at some point, they just started working hard to combat that. And um, both of them, like... Did they have you tilling the fields? No, but I did a lot. I did, you know, things at the house. Yeah. I um I weeded the garden for a cent of weed until I realized how unfair that was. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like <God>. backbreaking work. <laughs> um, but I actually loved it. And to this day, if I'm sitting outside and I'm next to... Uh, a place where there's flowers planted in the ground and I see weeds. I subcon I just unconsciously really? start. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, all any any activity, even menial activity, where I there was an end and um uh, any kind of reward I really loved. I still love. Mm. I went into a friend of mine, she has this closet where she just moved in all of her clothes and it's all still in boxes. And she said, if I left you in here for two days and I was like, one, I could do it in less than one. Wow. Podcasts, Audible, and just a task <laughs> and delivery. And well, like, it reminds me of you so playing solitaire. And it also makes me, you talk about being a perfectionist, and then you also love doing things like solitaire. It's yeah. a task, it's a meditative thing. Yeah. And cleaning a closet or a garage or doing weeds. I love a task. I, I get it. I wonder what it's like in your brain, though, that you're doing these things. And I only say that to relate. Serotonin party. It makes it, get, it releases real serotonin. pleasure. Really? Yeah. Like I was just, Not I just, just did Colbert like you did. Yep. Um, no, it's not really avoidance of anything. It's not like it's I got to get out of my brain. No, it's like never. I need to do I that. sit with my brain. Sometimes I'll just pause the podcast and just sit with it for, you know. You're good time. with your brain. Totally good with it. Love it. Yeah. Need it. On Colbert, I said how much I love assembling Ikea furniture. And it's the same thing. Wow. Truly love, like satisfied beyond belief. Isn't it weird that that's like a virtue of the human brain that is useful? It could have, could have just as well been useless in the world that we were born into. Yeah, but totally. luckily... Having a focus and well, having... Well, no, look at this instinct that would have in our earlier yeah. evolutionary path been very effective. Right. Now has to be solitary on my cell phone just right. so I have somewhere to put it. Right. I was actually thinking about high-functioning uh, autistic people or whatever the new They're term They're probably is. the favorable variation, frankly. The They're like the, our most favorable variation, potentially. 
Our most favorable variation in terms of gen- like Darwinian evolution. Oh, I see. But then I was thinking about like what what were they great at? Because you know it was something in the caveman days or whatever it was. If there was I some, think, I think it's version of that. I, none of this is based in science, but it is an idea that I've read. That welcome we, to the podcast. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my whole world is based in science, which is what, we'll get there, and I love it. I love the idea of talking about it. But um, the that is so interesting to me. The idea that we have evolved people who are high functioning in these ways. Right, because they, they probably are, didn't exist in uh, caveman days. Not in the way that they exist now, certainly. Maybe there were maybe technology hadn't caught up with our minds yet. Yeah. Or whatever. It That's is. what I mean or is stimuli. let's take it out of the caveman days. Let's just go to the Renaissance and be like, there were people that were like, I don't know what this is, but I could take this up to eleven. Like you guys Oh yeah, no Renaissance it was already happening, I <laughs> yeah. think probably. You guys have abacuses and yeah. I need a computer to yeah. really melt into it. Yeah. And that means there's probably technologies that haven't yet been invented that will feel like a perfect fitting shoe. They'll feel like, yes, exactly. When they come in, it's like, really this is me. Like yeah. a, the invention of the guitar. Some bard picks it up and is like, this completes me. Like, yeah. Imagine. Totally. Isn't that fun to and think for about? for me, it's an, an Ikea couch. <laughs> you want to, well, all I think about when I think about Ikea f- furniture is what's happened to all of us is you get to the end and you realize that there's two side screws. You know what I mean? And you're like, shit. Not me. Not you. Hey, can I give you a hint? They're fucking directions. I know, but I you gotta boys, build this thing. You boys hate your directions. It's unreal. Well, it's funny. Traditionally, it's funny that you say boys because traditionally, David Vanderveen, who did this podcast, talked about women traditionally have an instinct to set up the boundaries and to listen uh, and figure out how things work. Yeah, and they the, consider and then action. And then the dad's role, and this is traditionally, and I, you know, I'm all anthropology, for anthropology. We'll get to this, but anthropology sure. is my my thing. Oh, is that right? Eventually, I will go back to call. I'll go back to school to get a degree in it. You're Lady Franco. That's who you are. Excuse me, James Franco, Lady. Wow. You know, James Franco is like got a PhDs and yeah, stuff. He's won't next stop level. learning. He, there are a couple of him. So you're Lady Franco. He's, He's split himself into multiple versions. They're all getting degrees of different That's places. That's so funny. He's a, I mean, the know. real James Franco is somewhere at home sleeping, but he sends out his yeah. doppelganger to be yeah. like, "Hi, is this the Harvard Extension?" <laughs> exactly. Uh, what was, oh, oh, so men traditionally teach the kids how to bend the rules. Yes. So it's like it's a very masculine idea to go, "Give me a screw, this one or this one. It doesn't matter." Like, that's the dad energy. Of course it matters, yeah. No, of course it does. No, I know. But that's my, that's are, my reaction. There are beautiful times when dad energy, or whatever we want to call this masculine energy, which women have as well, yeah. obviously, sometimes it is the right thing. Sometimes you do need someone to go, this line is stupid. If we go around there, instead of someone going, lines are here for a reason, Sometimes a dad goes, we just got to, and I actually think that's what Trump, not to, I, I really don't want to get political, <laughs> but I think he's the perversion of that idea that there's a masculine thing that goes, there's a way in the back. Yeah. Let's just get around this bullshit. We don't need it. Like America's weird drunk dad or is Ricky, here. Ricky, <laughs> we were in a, we were in some kind of a drive through thing and Ricky drove in the air. Ricky's my husband was driving. Uh, he drove he- in the opposite way with the arrow. Yeah. And I was so upset. I was like, you don't know. That's, That's so selfish. I know. You don't know if there are people that are assuming you are following the arrows and they're not looking in your direction because they're like, at least I don't have to look in that direction because the arrows are so clear. <laughs> and I was so upset. And I was like, you can't go through the world like that. Yeah. But I have countless memories of my dad installing a VCR or something and just doing things with a certain level of admirable, admirable improvisation, um, improvisation, and and no fear of consequence. Let's wow. hook this up to this. 
ah, it didn't work. Let's do it over here. And we could have been like, let's read the instructions. And a different lesson would have been learned. Right. But anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, that was, that's just always been my speed. And yeah. so they said I didn't. But also the arts. Yeah. <laughs> that's the release. That's where I get out of this old noggin. They said you didn't. Didn't what? They said I, I, I shouldn't act until I graduated. And why was that? Um, I think they could tell that I was suggestible mm. and needed some extra time to cook. And that four years would be really pivotal. And just in terms of brain development, like it's sure. crazy. The idea of becoming famous in your teens is really mind-blowing. Julian McCullough has a great bit about that where he he's a very funny comedian, talks about... I'd be dead before I got off the couch. If you told me like I had a billion dollars and access to drugs and girls yeah. and everything, like I just wouldn't have made it off the couch. He's like, you can't blame Britney Spears for shaving her head. You know what I mean? He's like, I would have died immediately. It's really like it, I just in terms of literal your brain chemistry, logic. Yeah. Judgment. Yeah. I met someone recently that was like, oh, it was it was one of the guys that, um, it doesn't matter. And I was talking to him about how you talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol. And he actually has been successful with his kids going at it the logical way, just saying like, listen, you're not fully cooked until you're 20. 20 is how long it takes to cook a human brain. Mm-hmm. And you can shoot arrows at the forming fetus of your mind. Yeah. And that's the example you I use. love this approach. This is the one I think about when thinking about my own kids. Well, here's here's how he it really explains it to these young kids. He goes, would you have wanted your mother to drink while you were inside of her? And they're like, no. And he's like, why? Because it would have hurt me. He's like, that's how you are with your brain. Brilliant. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, be protective of it. It was Ashley Grace, the CFO of Charlotte's Web, Hemp Oil. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now you're going to try it. I might. We'll see. That stuff, I think, I is, good. is very good for you. Oh, you can take a little snibble. <laughs> take a snibble, Allison. I don't do anything. Yeah, well, that's not that's not really it's not a drag. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't have any drug in it. No, well, it has no like mood point, altering substance. Point, well, I mean, is caffeine a mood altering substance? Yes, but I'm very reliant <laughs> on it. So it's like that. In fact, is there caffeine in this place? In this building, we can get you one. No, that's okay. It's right next door. Really? Yeah. I mean, but Katie, I like having you here. Here's what we're gonna do, Katie. I'm gonna pee. Okay. Katie's gonna get you co- Great. coffee. Do you mind? What do you want? Can we pause? Are you sure oh, you don't want cash? No, it's oh, really? silly. Would you like anything from Seven Eleven? No. There's also the. I don't like fancy coffee. Oh. Sorry. No. I have a feeling what you were about to say was, yeah, it was like fancy, a coffee. Nice fancy coffee. Place. It's not even nice. It's just a, a, a vegan place next. Thank door. you so much, they, Katie. They Let the record show. So Katie's a long. goddess, IRL. I. I was very nervous to are, meet Katie. Really? Yes. IRL. Um. What were we saying about a million things? I know. I, oh, call, go, not acting. Right. Yes. So that was the rule. And your brain. Oh, scout. It's okay, Scouty. Scout. No, scouts are just going to be focused. That's okay. How greater do you scout? Most basic comment ever. How greater dogs? I no. agree with what you said with Marin, but I do think with. Marin about dogs and cats on WTF. Yeah, the cats are yet? good. No, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> but you know, I have a dog. As you know, I have yes. a dog, and I love my dog very much. Our dogs look alike. Oh, I know, I know. Because Val's obsessed with your dog Aww. on the old Instagram. Yeah. But uh, what did I say? I said that cats are self sufficient, and you kind of like that, and that dogs are a little needy. They are a little needy. You don't like that. I've learned to like it. 
I he really was like taking care of something. <laughs> and it was a big relief to Ricky when we got Moxie. Oh, yeah? Yes. So In what way? Because I just you needed something hovered to less to? and tended You hovered over him. him less? Yeah, and tended to him less. Is that the kind of love you give to Ricky? You're a nurturer? Yeah, like if something, if he, like in the middle of the night, a closet door fell on his foot. And I became like that's when I go into my. Well, best, this happened. Yeah, I go into my best mode because that's I'm so in nice. caretaking mode. Ah, Val's like that too. Yeah, there's always this quiet thing. If I'm sick, which yes. has only happened a couple times, he doesn't like, get sick. This is the best. Yeah, yeah. And Val's been sick. Val got sick the morning I proposed Aww. from altitude sickness. We drove like 2,500 feet up. Oh, delicate lady Val. Delicate lady Val, and she threw up, and I had to hold her hair, and I was like. This is what it is. Yeah, that is what it is. You know what I mean? I was like, this is totally what it is. Because, you know, I never thought I could be somebody that could te- shepherd someone while they're vomiting because it's so gross. But when it's someone you love, you're just like... No, it does could not matter less. Couldn't matter. It's a little glimpse of what it might be like, I don't know, to love a baby because you're just like, they're snotting on you and, you know, you touch It doesn't even poop. occur to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exciting. I love babies. I know. I'm very Do you want to have eventually. one? Yeah. Soon. Not quite yet because Ricky has a new job and we don't see each other enough to have a baby. (laughs) I was just at Facebook and I saw his desk, but he wasn't there. Oh, he's he's the busiest person I know suddenly. And what, well, I could have Ricky on. I was just going to be like, what drives him? Because Ricky cashed out, I'm not saying that crassly, but he cashed out College Humor, sold in in a nice deal that was undisclosed, but I have to, and now he's still going. Like, he likes it. He likes the work. He started College Humor, Vimeo, and Busted Tees, which was a custom t shirt. Website. That's how I met Ricky. Yes. I was wearing. You were wearing one of his. One of his was it the right to bear arms? Was the Second Amendment no. one? <laughs> I, that was I a remember, Ricky Van Vien original. I believe it was Prose Before Hose. I'm I not love sure. that with Shakespeare's face on it. Right, Prose Before Hose. So he started those companies, sold them to. One IAC. of my first comedy jobs was writing for Busted Tees. I'm sorry to keep. Was it really? Yeah, writing so wearing, t-shirts. I'm wearing that shirt, and he says, "If you ever want to come by." You can pitch T-shirt ideas. So I came every Tuesday. I, there was an uh, there was a script of crashing that we didn't use, obviously. That was just about that experience. No way. Yeah. So and when Ricky you were was also himself. writing New Yorker captions. Yeah. And also jokes, submitting jokes to talk shows. Uh, I like this very much. But I, I look back and I'm like, there was so much time. Like I, right now, I'm taking a, a, a little boozy break, and it reminds me just how much fucking time there is in a day. See, I feel the opposite. I feel like I only sleep about four or five hours a night what? because there aren't enough what are you, hours. Thomas in the day. Edison? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> not at all. Really? I, it's so pathetic. How, how do you fill your days? Um, What's pathetic? That I am not Thomas Edison level um, productive, <laughs> given how little I sleep. But what I, are you doing? I am. Um, it's it's hard for me to put my finger on. I never know. But I also am always working on a million things because in the vacuum that college left after it was no longer my life, school, yeah, yeah. school work. And you, I filled it immediately. School. I loved school. I loved the. And this is so. Unpo- this is a very unpopular decision, but I genuinely miss taking notes, sitting in a class. One second. Nerd! <laughs> Shut up. Nerds win in the end. Spoiler alert. I know, alert. I know. It's the great, the great revenge we all get. Um, the sequel, Get In. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely miss it. And yeah. so I filled that with extracurriculars. I still refer to them as extracurriculars. So like my work with Horizons, which is the education stuff, or I'm working on a documentary series about education in the U.S. or HIV and AIDS work with Red overseas, um, projects I'm always working on. Mm. Like I'm always busier than I look mm. by my own making. How many takes was that the Mad Men video? 
uh, we did well in <laughs> entirety. Yeah. In entirety, it was probably like when we finished it, only yeah. like four good solid takes. Wow. The rest of it were false starts, or the band wouldn't it would not be synced because we were so shooting cool. it in one. Yeah. Take on a steady cam. Super cool. Um. So, and that was born out of this that engine that I was referring to. So I graduate from college. Yeah. I, and now, you're and now it's act. time to do this thing that I've been talking about and put my money where my they fucking mouth was. They mean acting for cash or professionally. And over a school to... break, I oh yeah, I was in plays and stuff. But over a school break in high school, I had been an extra on this NBC show called American Dreams because it was based. It was set in the '60s, and whenever NBC family people went out to LA, you'd go, you could bring your kids, go to the lot. They could dress up like they were '60s characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I went, the executive producer, Jonathan Prince, noticed he knew that I wanted to be an actress and he noticed that I was so engaged or whatever. And so he thought, why don't I give her a few lines? And that's how I got my SAG card because he also thought he thought I was good on camera. And so I got my SAG card the then. Stays in the picture. Amazing! It's crazy. My whole story is like that. It's infuriating. Really? Yes. It's it's been so serendipitous. Yeah, sure. And the only part I can claim credit for is when the door opens, I sprint you through would it. Go through it. Yeah. 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 Always. But you know, I mean, Woody Alley. Woody Alley. Woody Alley. Woody Alley. Woody Harry. I believe he said ninety ninety percent of success is showing up. Yep. What I, I've said this a million times because I find it very interesting is Jed tells me that he has things with people and then they won't do the thing that he asked them to do. And I'm very fascinated with that. Me too. Lack of follow through. My favorite example of this is that at the end of every presentation Ricky gives, he puts his email address up on the thing. And there are people waiting in line at the microphones to ask questions. But at the end, he always says, my email is up there. Feel free to email me. It's my personal email. He never gets any emails. Because there needs to be uh, the right, the healthy amount of... It could be self-love or confidence or some sort of moxie. moxie. That's why I named my dog Moxie. Moxie. It's the most. Hit it. It's the most important. My dad told me about that word when I was really little. Moxie. And it's everything. To That's me. the only word I didn't use for millennia. I was like Moxie. Yeah. Grit, fortitude. Yes. But Moxie's different. Moxie's got Moxie's a little sass. Pluck. Pluck. And plum. Is that another pluck? One? And I don't know. No, maybe it's like, a plum. It's like a plum is yeah, yes, like a plum. yeah. Moxie pluck. pluck. Um, Even the words Stick-to-itiveness have it. Yeah Yeah Moxie has Moxie Moxie's amazing Like I know what Moxie means Even it, It's, it's as close as we come when, Like Azhar Usman just did it And kept saying things in Arabic or Urdu And he was like It doesn't translate Moxie is our only word Yeah that Moxie, I like, You just know It's Moxie I'm sorry You just have to be a, a native speaker You have speaker. to have Moxie yeah. <laughs> To know that fully or Yeah exactly No it's a really good true. word And I think about it all the time And that's that's the ingredient Right And it, it and some of the soil that grows Moxie is delusion Totally That's why it's really gross When it gets perverted yes. Into the Hollywood social climber. Yes. Who I was just saying last night, we were all the La La Land talk. I was like, Katie, thank you I so much. I sometimes. Scout was. Yeah. Hello, baby girl. Please. Sorry, now my dog voice is on the record. That's embarrassing. <laughs> sure. Thank you so much. All right, should we pause while I. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell this story. Okay, please do. <laughs> I don't, leave it, Scout. I was saying. Ooh. You got French vanilla. This you know my taste. This, this is, is so crazy. This is so Seven Eleven right now. Able to extrapolate from my order of a Seven Eleven coffee the fact that I would want French vanilla creamer. Allison, I don't understand. 
You eat bagels. You drink creamer that has sugar in it. For the last year, <laughs> for the last year, I've had a donut every morning. On I, behalf of all us soft people, and I recently stopped because get it's affecting out. my skin. Available in theaters now. I have. You stopped yeah. because the sugar is affecting your skin. Yeah. So, but I miss it, dear. I miss them. Oh my god! What is going on? Metabolism? Is your mother yes, like a thin lady? It's a metabolism thing. Well, on behalf of all of us. We hate you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the least, I, I think it'd be more satisfying You're to people, and I get accused Splenda. of I get accused of starving Splenda. myself constantly, and I think that's the easier pill to swallow for people. Yeah, would rather think you're suffering yeah. than just fortunate. Yeah. Speaking of fortunate, oh, you keep going your thing. Okay. I was going to say the the perversion of Moxie and Pluck is. I literally ran into a guy at the Improv once, and he was in from New York, and I was like, "What are you doing in L.A.?" And he said, just networking. And I was like, At I literally, I know, I know, I don't remember if I did, but I certainly considered saying, stop telling people that. Did you get a stirry? No, I'm just gently Yeah, I see stirring. that. That seems like a Shark Tank thing. Like we put it on a pendulum. Yeah. You must, you're obsessed with the tank. I can't stop. Yeah, we're a big tank family. Val and I can't stop. Yeah, we right. love pausing it as they're walking in and predicting. Dun, 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 is it yes dun, or no? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, based on first impressions. And we're always we're almost always wrong. <laughs> which is what's fun. Favorite Shark Tank moment when someone cries and they have a great story and they still don't they get still a deal. Pass on it because they are <laughs> that is a breed I now know very well from knowing Ricky and marrying into this world. Because he he's pra- like an investor. It's, it's like um, aggressive pragmatism. Yeah. And I've started investing in disciplined too. investors. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where they go like, look, I'm very moved. I remember Mr. Wonderful once cried and then passed. Yeah. Even Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> His but, sermons. That's the closest I get to church these days is the like is weird sermons? like poems he says about Odysseus. He's not like bad. You know, it, I, it comes back around. At the beginning, you're like, who is this guy? And at the end, you're like, it's all about that guy. Yeah. I thought it was Hershevek because he's your gateway shark. Yeah. And then you're really just getting to the and to the heroine. You get stuck in Corcoran for Corcoran Town for a while. <laughs> Valerie, gone, is she around? She's around. She does the best Corcoran. I'm going to do it for you. This is Barbara's smile. It's on my. Oh, I was a story, so it's gone. But Val, I'll, I'll Instagram it. Valerie does it all the time. She just goes like the Barbara Corcoran <laughs> smile. Aww. It kills me. So good. Val Sweetly is like Val. legit hilarious. I know. I'm so excited. That's so good. Are you so excited that this is the life you have now? I am. I super, Officially super for a while. Sam. I know. For a while. For as long as you can, you know, predict. <laughs> as long as you can stand it. No, I meant like for as long as we're here, basically. No, I, oh, I get morbid. it. I get it. Well, we, I was just talking about the Robert Bly poem that we're going to read at the wedding where it says, uh, parting may come, death will come. It's yeah. part of the poem. Yeah. And I, I just really love honest. That. I love that honesty too. At and I love wedding, that Val is like, yeah, say that on our magical day. Like, yeah, well, at our wedding, we had five couples get up and talk about their experience of being married. Really? Spanning marriage lengths of two years to 30. No. And it was amazing. Whoa. The one thing they all said without planning, because we didn't see what they said before and they yeah. didn't see what each other said, was that it's the coming together after being um, emotionally or logistically or physically separate 
that makes a marriage. It's the coming back together and the discipline to do it, even if you, even if it's not being driven by something heart based. Wow. See, that's what Sharon Sulzberg, a great uh, Buddhist teacher who I'm trying to get on the podcast, talks about. It's all in the return. Yes. So when you're meditating and your mind wanders, the whole practice is just going back. Yeah. It's not going like I stink. It's that moment where you return to the mantra, or the breathing, or whatever it is. That's the whole thing. But that we'll get into that. Okay. So um, then, yeah. Tom Hanks was your officiant. Yes, he officiated our Tom wedding. Tom Hanks. Yeah, when I moved to Los Angeles <laughs> uh, at 22, so I was in this this incredibly lucky position where I had, by virtue of what my dad does, I had made I had met all of these people throughout my life. Oh, that you had knew given Tommy me, Hanks. Yeah. To Hanks. Thanks. <laughs> I had met all these people and I didn't, back to what you were saying earlier, I didn't want to ask any of them anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to ask any of you them anything. You didn't want anything. to be the guy yes. at the improv, I'm here to network. I'm here to network. So instead, I made this video and I emailed it to them and I just said, I exist. I'm the an Madden adult. Video. Yes, I'm a graduated from I college can't adult. I believe it. And just know that I exist. I don't want anything. Yeah. And that video found its way to Huffington Post, which found its way to Judd. Which yeah. found my way to an audition for Marnie, and the rest is history. Get did you not know that that I, was the story? I did, but I only read it on Wikipedia this morning. I didn't know that that was the that's story. the genuine. Real I story. thought you did that video after Girls was a hit. No, I did that video saying, the summer after I graduated from college with friends that I had made over the course of college. It's incredible. I can't believe it. And Judd saw it and was like, Judd saw Marnie what? in it. That's amazing. Which is really weird. So and you Jordan do have- saw Rose from Get Out in Peter Pan. Get Which just proves that nothing means anything. Out in auditions, all of it. It's so well. That's weird. what I try. I to, what lesson to take from it. I try to offer comfort to our acting friends and our aspiring acting friends that are listening. Yeah. That not getting a part isn't personal. That at they're all. at all. Mostly, you're a thumbnail on a page full of thumbnails. Which you could either look at videos. as lonely or be like, look, it's either it's right or it's not. Yeah. But I just to... think it makes the rejection, which as an actor is like most of our job is being able to weather rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes it roll off my back much easier. Once I knew, Ricky made a movie with College Humor a few years ago called Coffee Town. That's hilarious. Yeah. And when I watched him cast it. isn't Who's I, the lead? Is it Josh Rubin? No. In Coffee Town? It's not. No, it's Glenn Howerton. Glenn, yes, that's right. Amazing. From yeah. Always Sunny. Yeah. Um, it When I watched him cast it, I was like, oh, it's meaningless. Yeah. I it has know. to do with your vibe and your look. It's a, it's like a gut thing. Did you experience that when you were casting Crashing? You realized? Yes, but I also realized that you couldn't do it. This was one of the big lessons I learned. You couldn't necessarily do it. You couldn't have a day where you were just tired and wanted to get it over with. You, you mean ha- as an auditioner or as a casting person? As a casting person. Oh, interesting. You had to find it. It was it was more important than I even thought it was. Well, and I already thought thing, it was very important. The other thing I like to think about but that's what going we have Jed into for. an audition. Yes. <laughs> Jed going would into be an like, audition, I like thinking about that you want to be the answer to their problem. You want to be the solution to the problem of the people sitting behind the table. That's, so I like mm-hmm. to walk into a room and think, you don't have to keep doing these anymore. Yeah. That's that's, that's what I want to deliver. Now, it's almost never worked because yeah. none of my jobs have come from auditions. Yeah. Um neither I mean this great acting job here that I get to do is something that I made. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, girls came from Mad Men video. Peter Pan came from Actually, Peter Pan I guess came from an audition for a different movie mm-hmm. that the producers had seen. And Get Out came from Jordan watching Peter Pan and Girls, but wow. mostly Peter Pan. <laughs> so, I mean, what the fuck do I know? But um, that's a good, like, just to psych yourself up. And power and posing also, helps. What's that? Power posing helps. Power posing? Yeah. 
You're into it? TED Talks? Power yeah, posing? Yeah, she's a friend of mine. No way. Yeah, she's so smart. Power posing. Amazing. Sometimes on Shark Amy Tank, Cuddy. I see people power posing. You, you know, do? When you do that behind, Back there? Behind the scene camera. Yeah. Every episode of the Pete Holmes show, right before I walked out, I had my arms uh, like an X, like yeah. an uppercase X. Take up or space. I was filling Which up. For as you, much is as an I act could. of aggression because you're I already know. taking up so much People space. had to leave the room. <laughs> it was very awkward. And my good friend Oren Brimmer, it's a very fond memory. I love him. He would come up. Yeah, college humor guy. He'd come up and do it with me so I Aww. wouldn't look stupid. <laughs> I like that. And also just because it was a nice friend thing to do. Yeah, it is nice. So you would do power poses like that? Yeah, you go in the bathroom and you just kind of take up space for a little while. It helps make you feel bigger because, you know, it, it is a weird room where, you know, you just feel really small immediately. I know. But what you're doing is what I think people would benefit from doing, which is imagining what it's like for the other people. And now that I've been a person on the other side of that table casting – you are you. They do want you to be amazing. Yeah, because you want to go home. They want to go home. You don't want to keep watching these. They want you to kill it. Yes. And even if like those moments where they give you direction, like yeah. you do it once and they it's might like, give you maybe direction. Maybe I can massage you into a place where you are this person because they want. Yeah. They they're not doing it so you get to do no. it again. They're not you, doing the it because you did it wrong. Is the way the room looks because we take all of our cues from all the other things in our life. Yep. Assuming it's a place of judgment. Yep. You know, from the sorting hat at Hogwarts to any other, like a spelling bee, anything. Yeah. When there's a judge's table, yeah. that's what we're cued to think it is. But in actuality, it's much more of a collaboration to see right. if together we can get me to a place where I'm the solution to your problem. And then, you know, there were even auditions that were, they forgot lines or they completely, as the writer, I'm like, they completely misread that oh, line. Oh, interesting. Still got it. Interesting. Got it and then killed it. Because they had the essence of it and you knew they could get you what you needed. I don't want to make it sound superficial, because, but vibe could come down to just like how they walked in and how they sat down. Like TJ Miller is a great example. TJ is an insane person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is a compliment. And he goes in and barely does the script and he just is the guy and you'll know based on how he comes I in. I can't believe he auditioned because I can so oh, he easily... Didn't audition. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you can so easily picture what his performance... He's so singularly T.J. Miller. But that's how he got, and I don't think he'd mind me saying, like, that's how he got, like... I don't know if it was Deadpool or something, but it was one of those auditions where he went in, was larger than life, was the funniest thing you've ever seen. Then they're like, we got to do that. Is everything good, Katie? Yeah, what are you looking at? Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's I feel fine. You feel fine? I like, I'm always cold, so this is really nice. But then there's, again, a, a, a perversion of that as well. Your drive and all that stuff, there's bad versions of these. The networking guy. There's also the guy that doesn't learn the lines and is a, is a mess. But it has it to be like a focused yeah, mess. Yeah, it's like the awkward combination of ambition. It's like a Hamlety person where it's like all this ambition and no motor. That's right. Yeah. You need to not freak anybody out. Yes. And you need to seem like you're good to work with, okay yes, to work with. Yes, because that's the other thing I was just going to say is that you're also asking asking people if they'd like to hang out with you for days on end. And this is why I understand it. It hurts. I I don't think I've ever gotten anything that I've auditioned for. I, I auditioned for the E-Trade thing, and that was a good audition for me. Big deal. Okay. My favorite live on stage moment. Oh, my God. True fan. Glazer accuracy. Who I know and love. I know. And, and Jed recently asked him, are you good with Pete? Because he was on Girls or whatever, and he was like, yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, good. He's the most. I'm I, secretly worried, though, because I apologize more than a person can apologize. I hate apologize. loose threads, too. It's I really, I, I hate the feeling that there hasn't been closure in a, right. in a relationship or something like right. that. I can totally relate to it. I will say, when it comes to a point where he can be a guest. Oh, my God. He's the most open soul 
and he, he's a like he's a I think of him I can't mostly as a dad. I can't believe we haven't done he's it. He's the most doting. Well, that's what made it so dad. painful is I said Of course. He goes, "Why would you bring up that job that could have helped me and my daughter and his daughter was a newborn, yes. I think I'm remembering correctly." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh shit. I'm yeah. just talking to a dad who cares about his yeah, exactly. family." Exactly. Not a guy who cares about showbiz, a guy that's like you motherfucker. <laughs> and ironically, that part of him is exactly where you guys will connect. Is that It's funny? where the disconnect happened, and it's also where you will connect with Oh, each other. I love it. We yeah. got to do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll reach out next time I'm in New York. Yeah, I'll email him, too, if you need a, if you need a recommendation. I think, yeah, you, maybe I'll get his email from you. I don't think I have it. Uh, anyway, so you finally made that video. Well, you kind of did the bullet Actually, point. this is interesting. I made three of them because I thought this was going to be my thing for a while. Singing I videos. started tutoring... I started working in LA, set up my life. Um, I released the first one right after kind of getting unpacked. Mm -hmm. And I was assuming, I created a whole YouTube page for this. And I was assuming that I was going to continue releasing them for maybe years. Maybe this was going to be my thing. This was going to be my entree. And then I never released the other two because the first one accomplished way more than I ever dreamed it would. Did you think? It was good. It's good. I'm really proud of it. It's got I haven't like watched a, it in a really long time, but I was super proud of it. It has an undeniable quality because it's one take. Like, yes, that was the idea. You could dismiss other things, but we it combined, had a live I feeling. combined enough things that I hoped that a lot of people that watched it would be able to like one thing about it. That's right. Even if they didn't like all of them. Yeah. And I happen to be obsessed with that. I know you love Mad Men. So the opening strings of that show is like a Pavlovian trigger. Oh, for sure. And um, Nature Boy fits so perfectly in it. It's crazy. And a composer friend of mine, Jay Wadley, gets credit for that. I remember seeing other actors posting that and saying, does anyone want to do something like this? Oh, really? And then you didn't deliberately... Well... Here's what I'm asking. This is yeah. something that the Birbiglia just in- interviewed me uh, to promote Crashing. It just came out uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess, when this will be out. And he was like, what do we say to the people that haven't broken in? So so here oh, we are. Here's what I say. Talking about this do stuff. Do you want to know? Yeah. So I think one of my strategies in making that video was th- sitting down and thinking, as I unpacked from college into my childhood bedroom before moving out to Los Angeles, I was like, what about me is unique? And interestingly, this was a process that I found really helpful when I was applying to college was actually sitting down and thinking, what am I actually offering these admissions boards that they don't already have? Mm -hmm. What is the ingredient that I would be bringing to this school that other people can't offer? Mm. So it was an exercise in trying to be outside of yourself. You were applying to the College of Acting. Kind of. You, yeah, right. exactly. You were trying to stand and up. And I love the process skills. of applying to college. Yeah. Again, But you're also alert. good at taking an inventory, just in the way that I didn't think to put a screw next to the big screw, so I knew that there were two-sized screws. Yes. You were like, oh, I am... Oh, first thing you do when you open the tools at Ikea, you line you, everything up by size ee, and type. Duh. You lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I can see you doing yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. Like Ben Affleck's silverware screws drawer in the accountant. Away, but you have to get them back. Of course. Yeah, on little, a level surface. Little, yep, for sure. Uh, um, so yeah, that's exactly what I did. I was applying to the school of college yeah. or of of acting. So I basically was like, "What is uniquely me?" And I said, "Well, my face, my body, my voice, and my point of view and brain and life history." Mm. And that's the case with every single that's person. Yeah. And so I just looked at that and I said, "Okay, so what are those things about me that are maybe different?" Mm-hmm. And I I realized that original ideas. That something that generates in my mind that I'm pretty certain through Google hasn't occurred to other people mm. is truly Isn't it funny you can test. Yes, but it's great. Said that joke stealing and stuff. It's just all different. It's right. like you can 
quickly Google. Right. And pretty much everything has been done. But this particular combination of that RJD2 song and um, Nature Boy hadn't been done. And so... You realized that they fit together? No, Jay Wadley and I realized. We were humming along and we were so close to a melody. And he mm. goes, wait, we're this is a song that already exists. And he sat in total silence for a second. And then he started singing it. And it was perfect it wow. was so eerie and it yeah. also kind of describes don draper yeah donnie drapes donnie drapes saw him last night johnny ham danced with him class act uh, you son of a bitch sorry <laughs> madonna's you gotta come i know um so it was like it was like this insane moment where i was able to use all of those tools there i am looking like myself but kind of stylized uh, singing with my voice, that's only my voice, um, with this idea that I had with a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and e- exploiting myself for all that I have and all that I am. So your advice is for people to really yeah, do Yeah, mine yourself. Dive. Exactly. Yeah. And it's sort of the process of being a stand-up, is having to figure it out, sure like, is. What, is my, what is my tone? What's my way of communicating? And also, what are my stories to tell? And that's why, so general meetings in L.A., I think our rehearsals for that as well. Any artist and should... water bottle collection uh, opportunities. Sometimes Everyone gives give you a you bottle of water. Sometimes, Sometimes they give, it's so annoying like you glass. can't take that. I don't with know you. what it is. You like it? No, I'm always worried it's tap water because I'm an asshole. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. People in LA dying regularly because uh, of the tap water. No one's okay. I know. First world problem for sure. But uh, you get practice explaining who you are very, very quickly, and it took me a very long time to go. Oh, I'm a religious guy. I was raised religious. Because you just assume everyone was raised religious. Just in the way that you might assume that everybody got to stomp on, uh, not stomp on puddles and see worms and stuff. Or have uh, uh, well-to-do parents or whatever it might be. I think it was, I was just going to say, I think it was my my early conversations with actors and people that I was looking to for advice that introduced me to my privilege. Mm. Like when you sent the video to Tom Hanks? No, no, no. This is way sooner, like way earlier in my life. Even when I was – because my entire life, anytime I met an actor, I would sit with them and ask them for advice. Literally, because I knew I wanted to do it from three, and I knew I couldn't do it until I was 22. Yeah. So I was just collecting information. Do you remember good advice you got? A lot. I really never got bad advice. Yeah. The only bad advice I ever got that I can remember was romance-related from my mom. Where she told me there was a guy that I had a giant crush on in my um, confirmation class. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really loved him. And I was uh, 13 or 14. And we were uh, on AOL Instant Messenger. And we were talking. And my mom was like, just tell him how you feel. So I uh, that did. That was the bad advice. And the response was, GTG, bye. <laughs> GTG, bye. <laughs> Like, just so bad. It was good advice, but in a decade. I wasn't old enough for that advice. Neither was he. I still do that. I send Artie Lang a text about how much I love him. Yeah, I do that, too. It makes people so uncomfortable. The past is gone. I just want you to be happy and healthy. And and all of this is true. Yeah. But then I was like, and he might have liked it. but And then I closed with, sorry, this sounds so much like Dr. Phil, boner joke here. Yeah, that's perfect. Who knows? Maybe he loved it. Maybe some base for your acid. When when is it bad to tell people? I mean, then, but most of the time it's okay. Yeah, that was really uncomfortable. But I've gotten really good advice. Like, um, uh, so one of my summer jobs, my mom's cousin was is a producer and produced Robert Altman's movies towards the end of his life and produced Prairie Home Companion. And so I was a production assistant on Prairie Home Companion. I drove out to Minneapolis or St. Paul, Minnesota, with my mom. 
And I stayed with friends of friends in a little guest room they had, and I drove every day to set. This sounds like an episode of Prairie Home. And I was a first team PA <laughs> for Meryl Streep and Kevin Klein and John C. Riley and ooh, Woody ooh, Harrelson ooh, ooh. and PTA. <laughs> no way. Do you know that? That he had to be the associate director on the movie because Altman had cancer and he couldn't be insured. No way. So they tag teamed it. Wow. And so I was suddenly, I was going to my senior year of high school, and this is my summer job, hmm. and was helping these people. And I would just, whenever I had a second, I would just just try to mine them for answers hmm. and advice. And one of the things that Meryl Streep told me was, which I assume should come <laughs> with a notice, with an, its own Oscar be, in, as advice. It yeah. should be advice attached to an Oscar. Yeah. Um, she has so many. Just she that, just writes advice on Oscars. She was exactly. <laughs> she was like, um, "You should, when you go to college, you should just learn." I wouldn't major in theater. You should major in something else and do a lot of theater. And That's then, if funny. you feel like you still need to hone your craft, go to school. Wow! But take these four years and just be selfish about how much you can learn. Well, she's. I wonder if she's trying to preserve your natural instincts. I think. I don't know, but she went to Vassar undergrad and then she went to Yale School of Drama. So that's kind of the path that she she took. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think her intellectual life is like a very important part of her career life is that in the downtime, you can really keep your brain agile and entertained and stimulated. And I'm very grateful for that because I really liked learning, but college made me love it. Well, uh, Mamet um, says interesting actors are interesting people. That's something I like to say. Yeah. And I have to think the more you know... And the da, more you da, learn, da, da. <laughs> NBC. Channel. I want the ball. Yeah, that's how it opened. Um, or, no, that's one to grow on. Excuse I was going to say. Excuse me. Excuse me. So, what? What is the greatest lesson you've learned about acting, having done so much? Are we already at this part? No, no, no. Oh, okay, that's just I'm throwing it in. Sorry, here. you can't sh- throw in. What's the greatest lesson you've learned, and not make me feel like the <laughs> podcast the end. is ending? Let's do a speed um, round. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> um, greatest lesson I've learned about acting. Because Jed was talking about it. He's like, not a lot of people get the opportunity to do so much acting. Yes. You know what I mean? He was talking about specifically how great Lena has gotten. She's always been great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but this season, but everybody's, I think she's yeah, kind of at her best. What's going on? And then it's because partly, I Just think, practice. you get to do it so much. And it's so insane that we all got to get good at acting or better while doing it professionally for people to see. Right. That's so privileged. Right. It's <laughs> wild that we, we practice on HBO. It's on theme with the show though. It's very girls true. becoming women. Very and true. There's it's a, very some meta. Girls becoming women. And um yeah, I mean I The face you made during the sex scene in the most recent episode was hilarious. Thank you. And I literally was like what what's going on? I think everybody knows how to act, kind of. Or one of the reasons it might not be appreciated is because we're all kind of acting. Well, the yeah, I have another the theory about this. Oh, go ahead. Which is that I think it's I think it's a little bit of a gender thing with us. So oh. people don't ask us the same questions they ask the male actors on our show. Oh, interesting. They is that one of that we're basically playing ourselves? Funny. So they're taking our jobs away from us oh. by saying, "How different are you really?" Yeah. It's like. You know this is a job I do, right? I go home and I'm a totally different person. My name's not Marnie. Yeah. Check my ID. And in a way, it's a compliment, but for at least for like media to not acknowledge that it's a compliment or to not acknowledge that we're playing a character is so strange. For a person on the street who watches girls to call me Marnie, I completely understand it and it's flattering. Right. But for, for the people writing headlines to not separate us is like a willful act of... You know, and then they ask people like Adam, who's brilliant, right? But they ask him, so how do you? How do you get there? Yeah, 
And it's like a height meets gravitas meets male. Funny. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talk about that in comedy terms, the the reluctance for specifically men to give women the power over them to manipulate the way they feel. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't see a Meryl Streep, I suppose would be an, an exception, but we don't seem to comfortable like letting her yes. do whatever she wants. But maybe it's a way of keeping you in your place. It's like you're, you're a lady and you're pretending and ladies are, they're emotional and they're just doing what they do. Yeah. But a man to degrade himself, to yeah. pretend, how did so you do that? <laughs> right. It's so silly. It's but so interesting. Women are more, you know, in a lot of ways, they're more internal, but they can be more external as well. They talk about their feelings; they're more in touch yeah. traditionally. So I think they're like, "Oh, of course." I, she had a she had a spell. She had a spell, well, and they were what's filming. What's so interesting <laughs> is we weren't even allowed to act for a long time, so we're newer to it as what a gender. Mean? Oh, well, ladies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a male. It was always a male profession, and now suddenly, right. we just are still seen as outsiders in this. Back in the pros before hose days, yeah, it was exactly. dudes and drag. Exactly. Faux show. Um, so what, what, any other advice or lessons or, um, I think, well, honestly, the, I'm so kind of doing asking, improv, asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> doing weird. improv was the best training I could have gotten. I cannot tell if that's because of the jobs that I've had or if it's truly really, really good, good preparation to have. I think it's the latter. Right. Because the ability to be present in a scene, regardless of what's happening around you, is kind of crucial. Mm -hmm. So I can do a scene like, you know, walking in that episode. A lot of that episode with Charlie was in front of people standing just behind the camera taking pictures or whatever it was. Walking in my soaking wet dress, barefoot, there were paparazzi behind the camera. Oh, wow. And so a lot of our work, especially in New York, has had to be blocking it all out. And just not thinking about it. Mm. Not thinking, oh, God, this dress is a spoiler. I hate the way this dress looks on me, which is why we picked it. I'm so self-conscious. I'm soaking <laughs> wet. You know, I have this little bone in my chest plate that always sticks out that I don't like. I'm CPB? always been self <laughs> I've always been really <laughs> self-conscious about it. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be in photos By now. By the way, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was just making an acronym. <laughs> no, I, I know I know about you. You're an acronym generator. Yeah, but I don't want you to think like, we, you're we in a talk forum about talking CPB about it. all the time. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that I'm more obsessed with than anyone else. Like For everything sure. about people's self-consciousness self, um, is. Yeah. Um, so that that is improv, I think. The ability to just continue. Like if a plate falls in a scene, I don't pretend it didn't happen. That's insane. Right, right. right. But that's improv. That's so fun. So the, the losing the rigidity, I think, is the best training I ever got because it helped me get out of the way my own wiring works. I forgot if we talked about it. Didn't Marnie say something about the sniper getting a tumor in Texas? What? Remind I thought me? it was you or someone maybe said, oh, Allison's a fan of the podcast. I think it was you. I'm a fan of the podcast. And Marnie says something that's clearly inspired. This is so self-serving of me to bring up. No. I'm pretty sure you say, the fans, the weirdos will like it, uh, that you say you could get a tumor in your brain and turn into a sniper. Uh, it's in your apartment. I'm blowing it. I'm, no, I'm sure you're right. I just have a worse memory of this. Yeah, how could you be asked to remember that? Eventually, th- you will, too, get to this point where people have a better memory of It already happens lines. with the podcast. Yeah. People, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Someone yelled, shut the fuck up, Mike, during a stand-up show. And I was like, what does that mean? And they were like, <laughs> it's from that sketch. And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up, Mike. And then, yeah, I, yeah. then I got it. I'm sorry um, I'm not picking this. No, up. it's okay. It was a um, self-serving leading question. But, yes, that was something that I remember studying in psych in college. The yeah. man that had a, a rod through his head and became... I'm a pedophile, I think. Oh, that's I it. Be, I yeah. might be conflating two medical cases, but well, maybe I just, just, just the idea that puncturing a part of your brain could change your entire proclivity towards right. children or not. Like getting a beer bottle to the face, clear, clearing your vision. 
very confusing. Oh, weird. Yeah. That, I think that's one of the rumors of how they discovered LASIK, is that certain cuts on your eye could make your vision better. Whoa. I'm sure that's an Ricky old Ricky has tale. had a sty for the last few days, and I've never realized how particular people are in terms of being grossed out by eye things. Oh, really? Yeah. It's very like elemental like and human in some that's way. That's why Minority Report's so fun. Interesting. Yeah, I'm we sure. Don't, we don't like it. And the uh, this brings us to God nicely. The uh, eyes being the window of the soul. People, yeah, really... people are really bothered by his sty. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I, no, In I a way that it. I truly didn't predict, and neither did he. Well, look how quickly you could make somebody evil by giving them pitch black pupils. You know, like no color in their eyes yeah. or red eyes or like we definitely. Yeah, freak what out lies about beneath? That. One of my favorite eye switch movies. Wait, don't tell Michelle me. Michelle Pfeiffer, Harrison blinks. Ford. She blinks because she's possessed by the ghost of no, the woman. No, she's two different. It's two different people, and one person has brown eyes, and one has blue. Well, it's not two different people. She's possessed. The woman that she's embodying is I dead. I haven't seen it since I was little. Yes, I, that's right. Yeah, sorry to out what lies beneath you. No, <laughs> I, I'm very grateful. I might have to rewatch it. I kind the of love that part, movie. The scary part when uh, I don't want to give spoilers. Here, uh, scare, uh, spoilers for what lies beneath. I know that was the spoiler. That's the whole twist. I know that was the spoiler. I yeah. suppose. But when he's running the tub and he's like, "Ooh, too hot." That's the scariest part because he's being nurturing, but in a terrifying screech. Remember when she's oh in yes. the tub and he goes, "Ooh, it's too hot." He yeah. says it kind of lovingly. Yeah, You're like yeah. Oh my god, I need to rewatch that scary movie. movie. One of the early movies that has to justify why cell phones don't work where they are. Yeah. Oh my god, that's my it's new obsession new is all the movies, and that's one of the things our movie does really well. And Jordan is so detailed. It's so tight. Everything really? is tight. He thought of everything. Mm. He headed off every criticism at every turn. Even stuff like that. Yeah. Because that is a horror thing that you have to address right away. It's a right big device, away. honestly. Yeah. Why can't you send a, p- a pin drop? It's a big device. Before we get to God, I have two girl questions. Yeah. Um, the latest episode of Girls was fascinating because people using their... their uh, what is the language? I, I wonder if you're familiar. Where she talks about using your privilege, your, like, your notoriety... Yeah to get laid and how that's wrong. It was very interesting. Like in the most recent episode of girls, which people will probably, this will be out in like a couple of weeks. So hopefully they'll have seen it by now. It talks about how this guy uses his celebrity to get a blowjob, and Lena or Hannah in a very Hannah way exposes in that very millennial way of being like, well, you're using your uh, imbalance of power. Yeah, you're, yes. That's what it is, I think. Your imbalance of power to get a blowjob. And I'm like... To put girls on their heels. To put them in a position of feeling like they have to prove something. And they have to prove that they're worthy to be with you, and and that's why they... Which makes them override their own instincts or wants or desires. Right. Yeah. Which is so... You could never... I'll give you five hours. Forget organizing a closet. You could never explain that to my father. You, You know what I mean? If Ted Williams gets a blowjob, it's like, yeah, he's Ted Williams. <laughs> he deserves oh, a blowjob. Whereas someone like Hannah, the new way of thinking that we're all kind of discovering together, I'd like to think, is going like, no, it's an imbalance of power and it's an abuse of that power yeah. to get sex. Basically, it's saying the band Poison were fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like any rock band that went out and, and fucked groupies were doing a microaggression? Well, <laughs> it has to do with it's like a um one one of the things I love about the episode is that they're arguing two different points until they aren't. The first point that they're arguing is Hannah's arguing that position. He's arguing consent. Right. And she's saying that that, that consent is not as binary as you are looking at it. Right. It is 
someone can be consenting, but from a place of insecurity and feeling insufficient. Right. Um, she's she's asking for a deep dive of empathy. Like, like really what's it like to yeah. be that girl? And he's like, she came up to my room. It's like, did, literally, we're yeah. in a subtle field. Someone, I'm not going to reveal who, but someone once said that... Jenny Connor. Yeah, once you hear the quote, it's... <laughs> someone once said to me, once a girl is in my bed, it's not fair for them to not have sex. If you've gotten that far, you have to be down. Someone in real life someone said I that know. to you. Yeah. Someone who's terrible? Uh... <laughs> Not a great quote. No. And that's the exact example. Can I... I've heard my mother say things kind of like that, where it's like you shouldn't be in a... She she was talking She's about... She's victim blaming slightly. Kind of. Which, yeah. What would call it in Boston is old school. It's like you don't go in a fella's bed and drunk and like... You know what I mean? Like, I, I, my mother is a very compassionate, intelligent, loving person. She, I just remember having a conversation with her where she was having a hard time understanding the concept of date rape. Where it's like you raped me. It's like my mom. This is what it only is regret the next morning. Why did you have twelve martinis with the guy and go back to his hotel? That's what she's coming at, which is which is not the modern position, obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a that perspective really leaves zero room for anyone else's wants or desires. Right. It it is interesting though. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And then he reads her the story, and you really see just how. It works. Emotional. Then you get and, to watch it work. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do feel bad. It was really nice. Really it was great. a beautiful episode. And I loved all the women at, walking at the end. I know. Little, abs- not absurd, but a real, a little sur- surreality yeah, at the was. end. it was. All those episodes have a, a sense of, um, like, whimsy to them. Yeah. And, and they just hover, like, a couple centimeters off the ground. Yeah. And it only stands out because girls is so utterly ground level. Yeah. All the time. Which is obviously... Which is part of what people hate about it so much. Is that right? women as they are, I think. They want us to be softly lit and sexy and having good sex. I have to say that all that stuff is... I can watch it healing, Valerie. It's crazy. She's like, I never felt good about my body until Lena. It's... um, And that's not because Lena and Val have similar bodies or whatever. No, it's just that it's It's a body that is a a real body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think... Like when I think as people look back on girls, that will be looked at as hopefully archaic. But the most radical move Lena made was that, you know, for example, Jessa, if Jessa is supposed to be the like pretty girl in the show, the first shot of her is asleep on a suitcase in the back of a cab. She Mm -hmm. looks like an angel, but she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And the first shot of Marnie is asleep in a bed with a retainer and my lip is quivering Mm -hmm. and I'm wearing no makeup. Mm -hmm. And that subverts any expectation of what those girls are supposed to look Mm -hmm. like, of what Mm -hmm. we've been told they're supposed to look like and Mm -hmm. how they're supposed to behave. Mm -hmm. And so I like that we're all messy and that we look like people and... I wonder if it'll even appeal. I remember being in college and saying, seeing a photo and a woman had, I guess she had some cellulite and me and my friend Jake were like, no, I don't, I don't, we weren't trying to be super dudes. That's one of those moves, alpha beta and be like, oh, I like a real woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, We were being honest. It was just he and I. And I was like, that's, I like that. That, That's like a normal, that's like a real person. Yeah, that's why I loved Riz's line about like, you have a lot of pubic hair. And (laughs) Hannah's line being like, this is what a woman's genitalia looks like. And he was like, no, it's cool. I know. Please no more comments about my pubic hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) 
so good. But he was like, whoa, respect. Because he's yeah. like, I don't see that anymore. But then she got pretty aggressive. Yeah, she did. In her because response. Because he didn't give any indication as to where he was going with it. Right. Whether what value judgment he was placing on it. Just as it wasn't clear it's if he did those murders. <laughs> oh, murder. <laughs> Just the one. I don't think he did. But boy, it sure looked like he did. The night of. The night of. On Homebox Office. Get out. Uh, the other here's my other question. Mimi Rose has an abortion and doesn't tell Adam about it. Thoughts? Very interesting. Yeah, I thought it about is this a lot. I think about it all the time. Um, in fact, do you remember I was at that girls' gala and Judd out of nowhere was like, "Pete Holmes is here. Do you have any questions?" And I just didn't have any questions. I've kicked myself because this was what I should have asked. Question. That was my question. And I realized after I sat down, and I'm in show business, I should have had the question ready. It's okay. But here we are. You didn't know yet how much Judd would be calling on you. I know. Judd does like to do that. He calls on the friends. Yes. That's true. <laughs> so what do you think? Because I've thought about I. It's another one of those great girls moments where I'm like, I get Adam, especially he's such a romantic kind of, you know, emotional, you know what I mean by romantic guy, passionate. And he's like, that's my decision too. And then Mimi Rose, which I understand I read a little bit about it, Lena trying to make um, trying to show getting an abortion like getting a haircut, basically, you know, like yeah. what 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 is the big deal? The stigma needs to go. So I saw both sides. I, I, I was curious what a cast member. Well, thought. I also just want to ask, um, what has your journey about on your views of abortion been? I just always, you know, when we see a lot of Trump supporters or Trump voters. Uh, voting for Trump because he was the pro-life candidate. That is the tradition I, I come from. That, yeah, that's my assumption. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And so what was the tapering off of that like? Meeting when a good friend of mine got an abortion. This right. is what we're talking about. Conversion moments. Yeah. If only Just we access. had more time. Yeah. If only we had more time to see nobody in in my case nobody was thrilled about getting an abortion it was just the sort right. of thing that that uh from where they were in their life and all the circumstances they felt they had to do and then you're not with s- someone who gets an abortion you're with your dear friend one of your best friends and then you go oh and then you start you know being with somebody like valerie who goes like can you imagine if they said you couldn't jerk off <laughs> It's like I would burn the whole goddamn house down. Yeah, but I think it's just I think that Mimi not that Rose that's a thing, perfect one for one. But. No, I think that Mimi Rose thing is a is is really, really beautifully done because it is about autonomy, and it's about two people asserting their autonomy. And I'm hesitant to make a blanket value judgment on it because I am sympathetic to both points of view. I'm more sympathetic to hers. Mm. But I do think it's one of those situations where I'm not yet, I've never had that experience. I've never been pregnant. Um, I've never had an abortion. Um, I don't know yet if I have the adequate data to make this, to make have an, sure. an informed opinion on it. I guess my, it's, it might have, it's fine as a comment too, like what an interesting Oh yeah, I thought it was really, really fascinating. It was one that stuck with me for a really long time. Yeah. And I didn't have a as violent a reaction to Adam's response as I thought I was going to. And that's what, you know, a show called Girls Written by Women, and I'm like, of course, progressive women. Yeah. I'm like, of course Mimi Rose is going to be, have some good lines, some good persuasive lines. And then there's Adam also accurately, I thought, conveying the side that I could relate to, which is like, hey, that was, that was ours. We should have talked about that. And I was like, is it ours? Yes, (laughs) that's that's, the question. And I'm not, I'm, I just am not convinced that it's equal. Yeah. That's it. Well, 
I mean, owner, what is it? Possession, nine tenths of the law. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> something like that. Okay, now we can talk about um, God. <laughs> we, have we talked about other things enough? Are we good? Well, I don't know. Let me let me s- send a quick text. Ooh, text from Glenn Hansard. That's my Madonna moment. Ooh. Oh, he's enjoying crashing on Sunday nights at ten thirty after girls. <laughs> Um, let me just send a quick text. This is the most casual podcast we've ever done. Thank God. That makes make me happy. it three thirty. Buy us a little more time. Um, there are other things we could talk about What's on here. What's well, we didn't talk about pad? you auditioning for improv. Oh, here's the short version. We I didn't, didn't get really a... talk about why you were in Ghana. <laughs> I didn't really. I didn't get a role in Urinetown, and I was heartbroken. Oh. oh no! I'm so sorry. It was was it Into the Woods or Urinetown? I was in Into the Woods. Why I was the baker. Yes, you were. Yeah. I heard you talk about that. And of course you were. <laughs> it takes two. Of course you were the baker. Um, I didn't get a role and I was really sad. Oh boy. And I didn't think I was going to because when I showed up, there were all these like semi-professional actors with like big books of sheet music and headshots. And I was like, oh boy, I am way out of my league. They yeah. were, you know, stage door manner kids that it's like the very fancy acting camp that I wasn't allowed to go to because uh, my parents didn't think it would be good for me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can imagine why. That sure, might have been their sure. call. So my friend took me to see this improv show to cheer me up afterwards. And I watched the show. And it was a recruiting show. And my improv group did short form, long form, and musicals. And at the end of every show, we improvised. Improvised musical? Yeah, an, oh, a musical. Wow. And I was completely blown away. And I just thought, I want that skill set. I want to wow. be able to do that. So on a whim, I auditioned the next week, I think. Wow. And then I got in with two other boys from our class. And What was the audition? Improv just games? improv games, yeah. Wow. And um, yeah, it was the, one of the best thing. things that ever happened to me. Audition Truly, for improv. Talk about auditions. I, I barely remember get. it. I think I blocked it out. I was yeah. so nervous. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. But uh, I'm so glad because again, it's really my it's really my only training. Right. And um, it's how I get into a scene. It's how I loosen up. It's mm-hmm. how I connect with someone if we've lost the thread in the middle of a scene and it's Daniel's background as well who's my co-star in Get Out mm-hmm. and so and Jordan's as well so a lot of what we did in preparation for starting to shoot is we would do a lot of the scenes that were scripted improvised and he didn't always rewrite things but it helped Daniel it helped us find the find the truth in the scene right. so that we could play it later cuz like- as you'll see everything every word every look is incredibly specific I'm in the see movie it tonight. I'm not just saying that yeah, will you text me wait. after? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll good. text you during it. But I want to text the, the Postmates phone. Why? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You like the OG? You like I'm the a man of the OG. people. I get it. I don't want I to be it. on the John Hamm Madonna You're the phone. proletariat. I understand. <laughs> I have neither phone number. Just to clear that up. Um, That's funny. One time I asked Judd his address and he couldn't remember. What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. His, he, his home mind must address? have been other places. I was like, what number is it again? He was like, ask Sam. <laughs> that is I, he could have radical been busy. distraction. Judd, Judd will probably listen to this. He can refute this uh, when we see each other. <laughs> oh my God. I love that idea. Isn't it crazy? When this podcast airs, we'll have probably heard of Crashing has picked up. So I, have I remember that feeling. I met even Ricky. Even with a hit. You guys are a huge hit, but you still had to wonder. Every season. Yeah. Oh, no. I actually met Ricky between shooting the pilot and hearing whether or not we were picked up to series. Really? Yeah. But this, Vulnerable I time. this moment really well. I remember this moment. I was standing in this comic book shop when Judd called me. You were. I'll show you where it was. I want to see it. I Did I duck out during? I left a podcast. 
with Val and Brent, episode 300, because my phone was ringing. I love that episode so uh, much. So fun, sweet lady V. Sweet lady V. Phone kept ringing because my phone's always on Do Not Disturb, so you have to call me twice to get, make it ring. Oh. And it was Judd. And I came down and I, I took it and I was right over there. So what, where were, do you remember? What was yours? I was in Los Angeles. Um, I don't remember where I was, but I remember that after the day it got picked up, I think it was January 7th, 2011. <laughs> and I... Remember that because I had just met Ricky and I was in LA and I where drove. Where did we meet? Yeah. We met in New York City and I met up with a group of girls that uh, I, Lena and a group of girls I didn't know, one of whom is this woman named Deb, who's a really talented writer, later became a writer on girls. And she just kind of interrogated me and she was like, What's your type? Da 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 da. And then she walked away and she called Ricky and she said, I'm in the meatpacking district and your wife is here, so you should come meet her. Get the fuck out of my face. So he showed up. I love it. Isn't that crazy? Floppy hair. Floppy hair. He looked like a member of the Monkees. He looked like a boy band from the 60s in England. And um, immediately I was like, oh, shit, this is, I'm 22. This is so young Ah, to meet you, but you're totally my husband. Yes. And we both just knew immediately. But anyway, so I... I was back in LA January. Um, we got the inf- we got the information that we were being picked up at the point at that time. I was with Paradigm. I drove to Paradigm to celebrate with my agents. I got pulled over by two cops for still having Connecticut plates. I did not care. I was like, "Yeah, whatever, do whatever you want." My show just got picked up. I'm- did you tell them? Yeah, I t- of course I told them. That's I was Los so Angeles. Funny. I was like, "I must be the sixth person you've pulled over today. Yeah. This show got picked up." But. Uh- and then Ricky They're and I all went doing on donuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ricky and I went on our first date that afternoon. We went to the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Culver City, which is one of the great first date spots. Katie's laughing. It's an absurdist museum about nothing. It's like a long existential crisis you can have in real life. Uh, on purpose? Yeah. What's it called? Museum of Jurassic Technology. Which doesn't exist. Do you get that? There's no technology in the Jurassic period. I suppose, but isn't like a, a dinosaur's tooth a crude technology? Not until it was repurposed by humans. You get out in theaters now <laughs> so that's a real thing is it we can go do that you can go you should absolutely go do that i highly su- recommend it and it's Val's birthday on tuesday take her it's so fun and i will add a little tidbit ricky and i uh love an activity that we call wikipedia tickling which is that we go to a, a public page and we change a tiny thing that is so insignificant that no one will ever change it and I added cookies to the Wikipedia page for the Museum of Jurassic Technology. I don't know if it's still up there, but it's there's a tea room and it says tea and crackers. And I added cookies in the hopes that someone would start holding them to it and they'd start having cookies in their tea room. Oh, my God. I don't know if it's still on the page. Ricky added to the pillows page on Wikipedia that there are some pillows that are in whimsical shapes like bananas. <laughs> And oh I give the Wikipedia gift of Wikipedia tickling. Yeah, this was how we flirted. Oh my god, <laughs> it was really a good match. Ticklepedia, ticklepedia. So, um, so that's how I. That was how I found out on that day. Well, he's a great really man. Good day. He's always been. He's such a good man. He's a good it's man. Wild. I'm he's very a sweetheart. lucky. I'm so lucky that even at 22, when I was just starting my adult life, I was like, shut it down. You're the one. <laughs> one less thing to think about. There was only Fantastic. one person in, in the stadium, and you were like, that's enough audience. Yes. And then you started juggling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so that was when, yeah, so I, I hope you guys get picked up. I feel like you will. I'm I, pretty confident based on nothing. It would be terrible if, if this airs and we didn't get picked up. You will be <laughs> No, not Dutch one, no. <laughs> um, 
super excited about the at the shot. Judd was like second seasons are always some of the best seasons. Yes. And I think that would be the case for us as well. I agree. We're getting a little sense of what works. And also, the audience like. knows the world of the show, so you have less to establish. There's less Pete going like, well, I went to a Christian college. You yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. Sort of exactly. Stuff. You can just go. Yeah. And it's really nice. I, 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 we just have so many great ideas for the characters and all that sort of stuff. So I know. I love your fun. method of bringing people in to just kind of talk about their experience. Yeah. little. It's, it's like 0.01% of podcasts. And is it a... <laughs> is it... Um, is it off the record? Is what off the record? Those, uh, this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it, those conversations that comics have with you where they tell you things that have happened to them in their careers, do they stay in the room? Even if they oh, go into the mean, show, you won't attribute them to the, the comics. What normal? You mean when the way that we write the show? Yeah. So Judd, Rather than Judd and I will get a group. Room, right? Yeah, we'll get a group of people together just to riff on what it was like starting as a comedian. And so far, nothing has been brought 100% to the to right. the show. Oftentimes, the stories are so crazy. It's almost like a bad introduction to the world. Right. Because it's like, what are the chances of the first road gig you did this happen and this happened right. and this happened? So we wanted to do like a little more simple stuff. But then, you know, Greg Fitzsimmons, who's in the room now, has some stuff that it's like, that's so good we might have to do that. And it feels exactly just grounded enough and also just interesting enough. Especially for season two. You right. can get away with something. And his something. last name is Fitzsimmons, so it's perfect for Peter Holmes. <laughs> Peter Holmes. Well, Fitz- Irish. Ah. You know what I mean? For sure. It's in the heritage. I thought you were like, it Fitzsimmons. It fits in. Forget oh, no. it. I'm not at a pun. Forget it. I'm operating on four <laughs> hours. So, and you've been married for two years? Four. It'll be two years in September. And uh, what what have you figured out? Is it just the same? Everything, really. Um, no, I'm kidding. Ah. Uh, basically, it's cozy is the way I describe it. Uh-huh. It's happy, and um, I'm happy to report it's easy. Yeah. And we're really independent, um, which keeps it healthy and happy. Yeah. Um, until we have to compromise, we've gotten really good at doing that. But, for example, last night, Vanity Fair party, Ricky went home and went to bed, and I stayed out and that's a pretty typical thing he gets sleepy early we're on total different body clocks i stay oh, wow. up till three in the morning typically oh wow and he goes to bed at 11 i'm val and i are like that too. yeah so we don't uh so we do a lot of things in just because that's the way we operate organically right so um but early on i used to leave when he went to bed <laughs> As early on like i i would go home when he went to bed right and then he would just be like no stay out and That's so fun. I just stay and have fun, and then when I get tired, I go home. Then you come home smelling like John Hamm. Yeah, which is just musk. <laughs> it's man smell. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, so, I just meant from dancing, of course. Oh yeah, of course, yes, of course. Um, but the. Uh, so that's that's one thing that really works. I like being independent like that. It makes both of us feel really happy and. Free. And what about the families? That's that's it's what I really was, nice. Yeah. I was really worried about that because I come our family. I have one younger brother, and the four of us are insanely close. Oh really? And I had a lot of anxiety about disrupting that nucleus because it's such a happy place. And and your parents as well. Everybody's close. Really close. I love it. Um, really, really, really close. And um, we, the best way I can describe it is that our group chat for my family is the core four, and we became the cozy crew. Oh, that's amazing. Did yeah. your dad ever make news jokes when you were growing up? Like, this just in, you're grounded? Never. 
but it, our humor as a family is very topical. And that's one of the reasons. That's <laughs> oh, one you, have of the to, reasons. you have to read the paper just to know what your dad's talking 100% about. 100% <laughs> just to keep up. Everyone, that's one of the reasons Ricky connected immediately with my parents is because he said they don't feel like parents, they feel like peers because they all have the same pop culture media wow. information. So riffing, like our family knows all the same Right. Information. Right. We've all watched the same new shows. We've watched, we've seen all the movies that everyone's talking about. We read all the Politico articles. And so it's like a really tight, like our group chat is really, it's article volley. And then, yeah, I I just saw that or whatever it is. And Mm. that's like, it's one of the ways that we really connect. And one of the reasons I love Ricky's parents and Ricky's family so much is that they feel like they're exactly what I pictured. As in-laws. Mm. And they're nurturing and sweet and loving and just happy. And yeah, so it all it all worked really well. And both of our I come my parents have been married now for uh, 30 going on 31 years. And Ricky's parents have been married for 45. Wow. So it's a um, we both come from really long, really, really happy, connected. Wow. It's so lucky. And so those were our models. Um, yeah, and you've got a good uh, mirror there. Yeah, it was know. really nice. It was a lot of pressure too, though, because my parents' marriage is really great, and so I put a lot of pressure on myself to have a similarly great one. And then once we started just doing our own thing, I stopped comparing our relationship to anyone else's, including theirs. Is your mom a, a nurturer as well? Is that a she's model? by far the she's probably the best person I know. Really, um, she's one of those people that if you sat next to her at a dinner you'd be in tears at some point and you've come to some major revelation just really? by sitting next to her. Yeah. She's because incredibly she wise. Says. Yeah. She's incredibly wise. She's a really gifted listener, mm. but she's also really honest and insightful. And she came from TV production. She was a TV news producer and she met my dad that way. He fell in love with her voice in his ear. And then when he saw her in person, he called his best friend and said, I just saw the woman I'm going to marry. Get out. Yes. You guys are weird. You are Peter Pan. I know. You're Peter Pan. Um, so that, so she, she's a TV news producer. And so she's really good at talking to people and all of that mm. stuff. But she's also incredibly empathic, incredibly good, decent, yeah. really smart. And so she is, um, she's a nurturer, but she also... Gave me a lot of space. But yeah, so, okay, what else did we know? We're talking, well, we, oh, I can look I at I love them. a list. You I'm didn't sorry. tell me Tom Hanks, any Tom Hanks. Oh, stories. yeah. Oh, sorry. So when I moved to LA. Have you um, seen episode two met, of Crashing It? Uh, no, I haven't watched I to, it. I, did it there's release a Tom early? Hanks joke in it. Yeah, I there is. Early with you guys. Oh, got it. I, I didn't know You're that until yesterday. It. It's a good Tom Hanks. Until I saw Judd last night. Pete is trying, my character is trying to justify his behavior as a good guy. And he's like, picture Tom Hanks. This the ultimate good doing. guy. That's I'm crazy. doing what time. There was a riff we I didn't can't use. can't wait to see it. In fact, this joke was a riff, but there was another version of it where I go, picture Tom Hanks. Picture Colin Hanks. <laughs> any Hanks. <laughs> I like love any Hanks. Colin. Do you know Colin? I do know Colin, yeah. He's, He's great. We've been, I've been trying to get him on the podcast as long as it took to He'd be find a great guest. Yeah. Also to talk about his work in documentary filmmaking. Oh, yeah. So Tower Records and all that. So talented. Mm-hmm. And really, really good actor. He's so good in Fargo. Yeah. Oh, my God. And um, great Mad Men. Yes, obviously. Um, just to close that loop. So with all those connections that I had made throughout my life, I sent them this video or I just started saying when they'd offered th- when I was younger, like when you're in L.A., let us know and you can come over for dinner. And I actually took people up on that. 
Oh, wow. So I would go have dinner <laughs> with grownups all over Los Angeles wow. and just be like, what What do I need to know? Tell me, tell me what I need to know. Wow. And it was incredibly fortuitous because um, – the people that I had been introduced to that I was drawn to were such deeply decent people and they felt immediately like godparentish about me. Mm. And they also could sense that I truly didn't want anything from them. Mm. I wanted nothing from them. And it would make me feel weird if anything had been given to me like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a favor to put me in a thing or whatever Forget God it is. helps those who help themselves. Uh, people in the world seem to help those who help themselves. Maybe, yeah. You can leave God out of that Yeah, one. I think that's really people true. People are drawn to people, self-starters, people. Sorry, Shark Tank's coming back up, but how many times has Mark Cuban made a deal because it's like someone talks about how hard they're working and he's like, yeah. I can do business with you. But then also sometimes if people only have that as a statistic, it's not enough. I know, that's true. It needs to have good sales. You need a little both. Yeah. And in our, in our version, it's like you need to have some sort of talent as well exactly. as... But it's kind throughout of a, a dinner conversation catch. with someone, it would be ridiculous to assume that they could tell whether or not you were good at what you did. So the yeah. idea of someone taking a chance on me in that way without me first proving myself made me very uncomfortable. Mm. So the all of these little hangouts with old with you know older kind of mentors were basically just data collection for me. Mm. And Rita Wilson who later played Marnie's mom because Lena saw us together mm. um, became like their house kind of became a sanctuary and and Rita and I started this tradition where we would go on a hike and have cupcakes anytime something good happened. And she she taught me to celebrate. One of the most maddening things about what we do is the constant knocking on wood that you've just been doing. Mm-hmm. Because we need to remember to celebrate the victories as they happen. So, for example, she trained me to start to celebrate a good audition, whether or not I got the part. Mm. Because I, celebrating a good audition means that you get to have happy moments mm-hmm. without actually waiting for the outcome right. to be what you makes it a happy. Yeah, me. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we would tell. I celebrated the good audition for girls with her, and then the yeah. fact that I got a t- asked to do a testing deal, and then the fact that I got cast in the pilot, and then the fact that the pilot got picked up. Like we would, we would for each of those milestones where I was constantly crossing my fingers, knocking on wood. Anytime I would talk about it with someone, mm-hmm. I had this little feedback thing where I could say I can still own the fact that I feel proud of my performance in the audition. Far. Exactly, That's right. and um, so they became kind of. Um, they became real advisors. And one of the best pieces of advice to answer your earlier question is one of the things that Tom has said to me over the years is that the moments where you say no are just as powerful as the moments that you say yes, if not more powerful. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I didn't do a movie for six years. Get Out is my first movie. And so all of that time waiting, over the course of that time, I've started to feel very self-conscious about it, that it was somehow a reflection of my lack of skill or that I was never going to be able to not be Marnie to people. Um, and so that was one of the things he said to me. He said, keep saying no if it doesn't feel right. Mm. You're in a really fortunate position. You're on a TV show that gives you an income that you can live on. You don't need to take another job. Wait till the right one. You only get to do this once. Mm. And um, that is something that really stuck with me. So when it came time to picking someone to marry us, it felt appropriate to pick someone who has been in a position of, you know, talking to us about marriage and marriage in this industry. And America's dad was dadding you? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But also, like, they're just, he's just really good. And their their marriage is one that I really look up to. Mm. And, um, And it was... 
it was really, really special. The whole the whole wedding was really special. And because neither of us is particularly religious, we had the opportunity to design a fully free-form ceremony, which is why we had the five different couples talk about what marriage meant to them, which was really, really special. Um, mm. To just, because I didn't, I wanted, I knew that I'd be having an out-of-body experience. I actually didn't, I was totally focused and engaged the entire time. But on the off chance that I was just totally overwhelmed, I wanted to be able to focus on other people without having to focus on me or us the entire time. Yeah, Tom so, Hanks is a human flare. He's a road flare. Yeah, 100%. But also perfect, <laughs> Pay no mind to me. Perfect at modulating everything. So mm. he was really but, poignant. Was and he funny? He was funny, but he was he was what he said was really meaningful. He had really considered what this event meant mm. and he had made it really personal and each of the couples that spoke did the same and one of the things one of the couples said is something that people that were at the wedding continue to say that is meaningful to them which is that you'll have good years and bad years and when you look at a marriage on that scale it somehow takes all the pressure out of it mm. good years and bad years mm. if you get in a fight for an afternoon think about the fact that you'll have a year that feels like that year wasn't our best yeah it's kind of frightening. <laughs> to me, I found it to be a huge relief. Because it's normal. Yeah. If it's rough, that means you're on the path. Yeah, but also, again, it's just about coming back. Right. And that's the case in any relationship. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what makes it. That's what makes or break it. If you can find your way back, then that's what that's And any moment is an opportunity to come back. Exactly. Right. Uh, but and, it has to be mutual, which is why it's so a reflection of, of any kind of bond between two people. Right. Um, Desi. Yeah. Des. <laughs> Desi, um, learn from this. I think he's a real person. So that's the Tom Hanks loop that I need I to close. It. He is a real person. I love old T. Hanks. Um, uh, well, let's. Talk, I think that's all we have. Okay. I mean, on the list. Okay, great. So we can talk about God safely. Okay. Sounds okay. like you were raised Catholic. Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Yes. They do confirmations as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. We got Old. Eucharists and sacraments and shit. Sure. We got it all. A little sprinkle of the high church. Yes. Mm-hmm. Touch. A touch. And so you were ra- But here are your genius, brilliant parents. Um, and how did they introduce you They wanted you to, to offer it as an option. And um, my dad was be- raised Catholic. Uh-huh. And my mom was raised Protestant. And so we'd go to church. And together they are Belfast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, a lot um, of tension. Good troubles humor. Um, it was a, um, it was like a, an exercise in parenting because it wasn't what either of them wanted to do necessarily on a Sunday morning. First thing, especially my dad, who's not a morning person. He would rather go at night and light a candle and whatever, sit and think. But, um, it was an option they wanted to give us in terms of things to attach meaning to. And a deliberate one. I'm sure they talked about it. Oh yeah, definitely. I recently asked them about it and that was, that was what they said. It was like, yeah, let's, it's an option. Right. And I, it was nine eleven that made me kind of re up my investment in my confirmation class. Hmm. I think that times out right. And I remember going through the Book of Common Prayer and writing down prayers and saying them before bed, hmm. and it felt so scary. And um, and it was just uh, it, it was like a really it was a time where I felt you know proximity to New York, hmm. um. And so it, it just was a time where I felt like I needed something. I needed a hand. Yeah. And then um, in my confirmation class, although I did end up getting confirmed in the process of asking all my questions, because I'm a big question asker, ask anyone who's ever directed me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I became less and less satisfied with the answers. And it's not an indictment on, you know, the yeah, teachers no, of the confirmation normal, normal. class. It just was that it was completely at odds with my other passion in life, which is history and archaeology and anthropology and always had been. Mm. I went to the Museum of Natural History like once a week when I was little. Really? Yeah. Wow. Le- it's one of my favorite places in the world. Mm. And so once I couldn't reconcile those things anymore and I couldn't make the leap, I knew I was at the place where the leap was supposed to happen and I couldn't do it. And that was kind of it. Hmm. That was it for me. It just wasn't clicking anymore. In, in it wasn't clicking. But here's the thing. I take so much. I find so much profundity in science, in the universe, mm. in the fact that we just found a star being orbited by five Earth-like planets. Mm-hmm. That news to me is so That's your book inspiring. of revelation. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's where I get... I get inspired looking back and forward and looking mm-hmm. at the way we've figured out that math can explain things that happen mm-hmm. molecularly or the most unexplainable thing about the universe is that it's so explainable. Al Einstein. No way. <laughs> yeah. In German. <laughs> Imagine it, right? Do you speak German? I'm or pretty, I think so. Austrian? I'm sure he spoke everything. He was like no, someone like from Ghana. Idiot. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I, um, but that, so when I, I recently had a really interesting conversation with my friend who's very, who's a very, um, observant Jew. And she was saying she was, she has incredible amounts of empathy and compassion. She was saying that she, she worried for me that I didn't have enough, um, like I didn't get enough joy and relief Mm. from somewhere. And I was trying to explain to her that that for me comes from like the feeling for her of observing Shabbat is what I get from looking back at my anthropology textbook to remind myself what the name of an early hominid or something mm. like that. Well, it's the same thing. You, you, both methods are zooming you out. Yeah, in and out. out. Of your own That's little... my favorite thing is to zoom in and out. Yeah. Your own little drama, yeah. though. It gives you perspective. There's that great thing in Sick in the Head where Stephen, Judd's book, mm-hmm. where Stephen Colbert uh, went through some tragedies and his mother was like, what is it in the scope of eternity? Yeah. And, it, and that... That's a spiritual kind of way of putting it. But, like, if you can really watch planet Earth or if you could really watch uh, a Stephen Hawking, the, the Stephen Hawking one, where they're really zooming out and talking yeah. about the the moons of Uranus that are, like, frozen and might have water and all this stuff. I mean, you're just yeah. like, ah, what is Yeah, it's is that this? scene from Animal House all over again where they're stoned in the bathtub yeah, and the exactly. universe could fit in your pinky nail. Right. It's like, um, I remember there was a class in college called Galaxies in the Universe, and because it was math-based and math has never been a strong suit, I was not good at the class, but I absolutely loved it. Mm. And um, I, that was <laughs> the so part fun. That was the part I, I loved about it so much. I but I loved it. Oh, one of my best lessons not having to do with acting, but life, came from my psychology professor named Marvin Chandler at Yale and for three there were four exams a semester in psych and for the third exam in a row I had tech week for a show and it was just a nightmare because I was my grade was plummeting and um, I wasn't able to adequately study and I emailed him and he said don't stress about rescheduling the test just recognize that you've already decided what your priorities are it doesn't matter in the scheme of your life if you get a C in this class what matters is if you absorb the information in a way that's meaningful and apply it to the life that you clearly want to live wow. with love Marvin Chan get out of my and it was face. one of the most profound things anyone had ever said to this very perfectionist type A student yeah. that I was it's stepping outside of the game for us 100% that's yeah. the zooming out of a scientist yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. saying you know you want to be an actress Right. The grade you get in psych 
100% doesn't matter. What matters is that you're absorbing some of this information in a way that that will stick with you. That is a deeply spiritual thing to me. For me, spirituality is about freedom and it's about going. Yeah. uh, What are you so. It's about going clear. It's about going, (laughs) going like, what are you so wrapped up about? And if it's a professor saying, what's a C or. Um, you know, a spiritual teacher being like, oh, so like uh, pain. a great, uh, yeah, a great sp- a spiritual teaching is what were you worried about last year at this time? Yeah. Maybe people don't know what I mean when I say this, but I think no God is a great God because really we become worshipers of the material world in this very deeply, from my perspective, spiritual way. Now that's confusing because I'm calling something that's very secular spiritual, yeah. but it can be very gorgeous. Yes. If, if it makes sense, it's a nice mixing of metaphors in yeah. a way that's effective. Right. Yeah. When I, when Brian Green, the astrophysicist, I yeah, always talk I about that when he did it, I was just, I was laughing the whole time because it was just so funny to me how how beautiful it was and how clicky and I mean it was clicking and it's it was so, so tidy. It's That's so tidy. what I love about it. Yeah. It's really there's there's an explanation for so much. Right. And the one place it fails is in those Explaining. moments in life when you need human compassion applied mm. to something. So in the major life events like uh in a marriage, you want to, you can't look at it, you don't want to look at it scientifically. <laughs> right. When death happens, it's not romantic to, to look at it scientifically. Right, right. Um, But I am of the school of thought, I can't remember who said this to you, but Ricky is the first one who presented this idea to me was, do you remember World War II? Oh, Dana Carvey's. Yes. Where, That's exactly how I've always looked at it. But you know, it's interesting, sometimes I trip out going, where was I during the Renaissance? I was like, where else could I be but here? I wonder where I was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not saying my personality, my ego, my memory at all, but I'm like, where were my molecules? Where was yeah, my Yeah, well, to me, that energy? only describes this, because what used to keep me up at night, and I went through a phase, my best friend when I was little was a 92-year-old woman named Little, and I used to go over to her house and draw and like make little books with drawings and collect buttons and... <laughs> We'd have tea, and she was, like, truly my best friend when I was, like, five or six years old. Oh, my goodness. And when she passed away, it was the first person close to me that died. And I didn't sleep for months and months because the idea—well, first of all, I don't know why—sleep is a little death every night. And Mm -hmm. for little kids, that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And the lights going out makes it scarier because you can't open your eyes and immediately know that you're still alive. Right. And every morning's a resurrection. Exactly. (laughs) And so the— bedtime is when it hit me and also things are dramatic Mm. when you're tired and so I just couldn't sleep and um, my mom got these things called worry dolls do you know what they are? Mm -mm. they're these tiny little cloth dolls with wire that makes them in the form of humans and they come in this little wooden box and I'd sit in bed with her and she'd say okay what are your worries and I'd pick up a doll and I'd list a worry and I would hand it to her and I'd go through all my worries and at the end she'd say okay I have all of them so you don't have any left? and I'd say no and she'd say okay I'm taking them with me Good night. Wow. And so that worked. I felt like it's like psychiatry. I felt like I was handing someone. That's what hypnosis is. Yeah. It's like, what are you worried about? Picture yourself putting it in a big steel box with a very heavy lid. Yeah. And now that they're all in there, close the lid. And and this was very um, tactile. It's crazy. Yeah. And it worked really well, except with death. It was the only thing it didn't work for Mm. because it wasn't a. It wasn't. It was too big an idea for me to just put into one doll. Mm -hmm. Even the whole box of dolls, I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, there was no way to frame it that felt cozy to me and comforting. It only felt sad and Mm. scary and dark and empty. And um, 
it, I kind of just then life takes off and you don't think about it all the time. And I'm very aware of the fact that this doesn't go on forever, but, and I always have been ever since little died, but it's, it's something that I just kind of look at matter of factly. And then when I met Ricky and he described it that way, I was like, are you afraid to die? And he said, not at all. And I said, why not? And this is very Ricky. He's very logical. He said, well, I don't remember world war two, so I'm not very scared to know what it feels like after. Mm, and, um, you've already done it. Right. And I was like, what happens to your body? And he's like, it rots. <laughs> well, it's funny. That's an Alan Watts thing is like he would disagree with Ricky, I suppose, in that we don't come that that goes with the presupposition or the belief, the worldview that we come into this world from somewhere else. And Alan Watts would posit that we don't come into the world. We come out of the world. Well, is it the the, the matter? The I suppose we could look at it as matter, but I, I think it's destroyed. almost just like. Even down to the awareness level, it's like this one thing kind of splashing That's against itself. That's way too heady for <laughs> Ricky Van Veen. <laughs> I don't want to change Ricky Van Veen. No, I don't The world either. needs Ricky Van Veen. Yeah. The reason my phone works and I was able to watch uh, college humor videos on dial-up was because of Ricky Van Veen. So let's not change Ricky Van Veen. No, I, I don't want to change That's how but it I is... loved him is that I didn't want to change him. Except but... cut his hair because I wanted to see him. Yes, and you did. He did. <laughs> He's a good-looking man. He's so cute. It's the idea of... Uh, I do like the idea that... Just looking at the concept that we weren't here and then we were here, then we won't be here again. The spiritual idea is we are here. We've always been here. We're just taking all these different forms. Yeah. I, I mean, that that is an idea that I don't give enough attention to. Mm. Um, I should give more attention to it. But Well, I mean, if you want to, you certainly don't have. It sounds like you don't have the death anxiety anymore. No, I don't. So you found your method. That answer to me is very comforting because I can answer the question of what the sensation would be. That's the only thing that's ever given me anxiety is right. knowing what it'll feel like. And um, now that I kind of know what it feels like by not knowing what something else felt like, mm. I can, I can right. rest assured knowing that I won't be... I'll be feeling whatever that was. Ricky left with your huge worry doll. Yes, Ricky. <laughs> he left with my huge worry doll. And I feel like, you know, the other thing when I'm thinking about these greater forces at work is that I've been so insanely lucky in my life. And that's a big thing to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Like it just, and even with Get Out, like it's done so insanely well. Mm. And um, beyond my wildest dreams and beyond what a first movie should do in someone's mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And um, time to call T. Hanks. Yeah, I got to I got to learn what the answer is. But I, I feel <laughs> a lot of um, responsibility and humility as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Genuine to the bone, um, not guilt, but. Yeah, humility and responsibility. Mm. Um, And it's where all of my extracurricular drive comes from, Mm. is knowing that I didn't... There's a lot that I have worked really hard for, but a lot that I haven't. Mm -hmm. And it's it's earning it in reverse. It's going back and adding credits so that I actually can buy what it is that I was born into. The fact that I was born to these two parents, I feel like I'll be working off... For the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way I look at how to balance myself out in this world with starvation and no access to water and no access to ARVs for HIV and AIDS and no access to even a decent education. Like, how on earth do I wake up every morning and justify the life I live when right. those realities are happening other than devoting whatever free time I have to making those less possible. And that's something that comes from, I think it must have originated in church. Mm. It must have in those pews. 
that sort of tithes. Yeah, I have so much we need to give back. Right. Sort of thing. Yeah. It, that's why I thought it was interesting that your parents suggested religion. I'm almost like, is, do we need to? I don't think so. They offered it. They also offered other things. Right. I know. So Museum of Natural History. Right. And church. In but the same sometimes week. it's I, okay for some people. It's been better to just give their kids not force it to them, but really like drive at home <laughs> because you, when you're children, it's hard to learn anything. And it's certainly hard to learn profound things. And I'm not suggesting no, I'm, I'm going to do this with I'm my kids, curious. but here you are going to church and you learned about tithing and then it manifests later in this true and profound and real way. And when you were little, you just did it because that's what grownups were doing. And, or that's what you saw as an example that you didn't fully understand. I also, yeah, I mean, it's really trippy. I remember when I, was halfway through understanding what communion was and I started getting nauseous having the wafer because I was halfway to understanding it and I didn't get to the part where it was a symbol. Right. And it was the body and blood of Christ and I got, I would get a little nauseous every time. Do they believe in transubstantiation where it turns into, they do? I think so. Is that not a, is that (laughs) Not every church does that. It's Catholic. It's certainly Catholic. uh, I think it is. I mean, the Trinity... For sure. Is a, is Father, a, Son, and Holy Spirit. For sure. I yeah. think we all have that. Yeah, we all share that in different ways, though. I guess so. Yeah, different ways. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> and uh, what if you have chillins, do you want to do it the way that your parents did? Or is Ricky... I don't think... I don't know. I don't know what we would do. I think yeah. it's a play-by-ear situation. Yeah. PBE in your... It's when you pick up Hanks, man. You yeah. Call up Hanks. I know. It's tricky. I... I've heard a lot of parents say that the first time your kid asks you what happened when people die, the word heaven comes out of your mouth faster than you have time to think, even if you have all the intentions of raising yeah. a secular child. But I was talking to a friend of mine that did that, too. They're very intelligent. They actually happen to be Christ-leaning like me, mm-hmm. but um, they just said uh, heaven as well, and they felt bad for lying, and I was kind of, you know what I mean, yeah. and I was like, yeah, but how else are you going to explain? Forget I don't a child. Know. I asked Ricky recently, and no, I just it was mean... a disaster. <laughs> what do you mean? I we did a trial. We were in the car driving. We love long drives, and we were driving. I think we were on our way to a wedding in Chicago, and we just decided to drive. And um, I was like, "How would you explain death to a child?" And it was an utter disaster. Why? It would have caused like rocking back and forth in a corner wow. in a child. He was like, it's nothing. It's whatever you felt before you were born. <laughs> I was like, they're not ready for that. Wow. I'm barely ready for that. Wow. So we'll have to, I mean, I don't know. That's a lot where you of get parenting fun. is improv. So I don't. You we'll ask see. a kid where they were before they were born, they'll often give you an answer. That kid, yes, they'll give you an actual answer. Most likely it'll be uh, it'll their be imagination. Certainly, yeah. certainly. But you do hear a lot of stories where they're like, well, I was picking my parents and I selected you. Yeah, exactly. A stork. Uh, what, what, yeah. <laughs> um, I, well, what I was getting at was when she said heaven, I'm like, how else do you describe the fact that we're all vases, vase, yeah. vases filled with water, and when we die, the vase breaks and the water goes back into the ocean? Yeah. This merging of all consciousness going back to the source of all consciousness. You're gone. The vase is gone. I'm not saying it's not gone. It's gone. But it's way easier to say, yeah, you'll be in heaven. Will grandpa be there? Yeah, grandpa will be there. Because if you're really holding in your in your own mind the idea of a great merging, all the colors bleeding into one, back to the place that Ricky doesn't remember. Right. It's the same thing. It's just another way of saying it. But when you say heaven, that's really what you're saying. You're I saying think, you're going to be where everything else went I and where Ricky everything came from. I think feels like there's nothing left behind. Nothing left behind? No consciousness, no... My he's very materialist. My thing to that would be, what's the difference? 
because um, he doesn't believe in dualism. At all? I don't think so. You mean, what does he mean by that? Uh, soul and body. Oh, okay. So body, soul, dead. Yeah. Everything dead. No soul. No soul. Is what he would argue. There's brain, heart, uh, synapses, right. hormones. Interesting. Again, wouldn't want to change it. So w- you're you're good with death now. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I am. I I just, as I was saying, my my life goal, my life pursuit will be to to pay back the credit I owed from birth. Mm-hmm. That's going to be my life's pursuit. And the work I do is each thing I take on is in service of that. To humbly and proudly return what you've been given. Richard Rohr. <laughs> It's on my wall. Val gave that do to me. Do you do that at right home there. or in any Richard other place when you no. quote someone? I almost never cite who I'm talking about because if I did, everything I say would take five hours. Got it. <laughs> That's not completely true, but I quote Richard Rohr so often yeah. that I try to remember. It's a celeb in the pod world. But yeah. Oh my God. He's the best. Incredible. You haven't quoted Ram Dass yet. I guess our convo hasn't been uh, <laughs> deep enough, Peter. <laughs> I don't know what I normally I could think of a Ramdas for almost anything. I don't want to put the pressure on you, but like you know, I've been thinking about Ramdas as we talk about Ricky not believing in that stuff, and I'm just kind of like, oh, here's what I was really thinking about. Ramdas talks about death, and my anxiety about death that's strange isn't completely gone because I believe in stuff. So when I die, I'm like, there's so many things it could be to me. Not not necessarily the traditional hell that I used to be afraid of, but now I'm like, it could be I'm a baby and I'm coming out and I'm born in India now and I have to do that trip and it's the 30s, you know? Everything's outside of time and space and all that stuff. That's interesting and kind of frightening. Oh, that's weird. I've literally never considered that it could be outside of time. Uh, well, get into it. <laughs> oh, shit. Deep time, pra- past, present, and future all at once. Or it could be uh, some sort of next world where I do remember that I was beat and now I'm soaring around. It could be nothing. So I, I actually get it. So anyway, Ramdas talks about, here we go, talks about dying and he's Thank like, God. what will I think? He talks about dying Capital endlessly. <laughs> he goes about, uh, my attitude about dying is, I don't know, but here we go. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's almost exactly how I feel. I don't know, but here we go. And it's going to be interesting. Um, the the only moments where I catch myself feeling any kind of spirituality in that sense are like when I perform on stage, really only on stage, like Peter Pan I would count, but um, I always, my grandmother, my dad's mom was like a stage actress in their little local theater. And I apparently have, she died when I was three, but I apparently have just a straight genetic lineage. Mm. Like I, she's, she's she was here. even more Carol Burnett than I, I was like Carol Burnett when I was like three, I would just mm. stand and belt. <laughs> but she was, you know, the bride at every wedding, the corpse at every funeral. That was the way people described her. Mm. And, um, is that an expression? Yes. Like the center of attention. Yeah. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite expressions. Um, so she was more me than I am, but, um, and my aunt Mary Jane, my dad's sister passed away when I was a senior in high school from breast cancer and she was like so supportive and fundamental to my growing up and every time I go on stage I'm hit with like this wave of just love for them and gratitude for them and recognition of them mm. and those are the those are the moments that feel most spiritual to you're me. a spiritual anthropologist I think I you're... am I talk about this a lot with my anthropologist friend about how to reconcile these two sides of our brains yeah 
But, you know, if you uncover some old coin or something and remember the... Which would, by the way, be the victory of a lifetime for an archaeologist, which is <laughs> such a misconception about oh what archaeologists help me. do. Help me. So, sh- like, pottery shards. So, like, in Mongolia, for example, I had this professor, William Honeychurch at Yale. I know who, William. <laughs> you do without knowing it. You <laughs> might share genes with him. Um, he was an anthropologist or an archaeologist who worked in Mongolia. And that method of is not excavation, it's surveying. So you just walk the earth looking for signs of any kind of soil stratification or disturbance that might look like there be something under there. To dig. To, to then excavate and dig. Yeah, yeah. But you're surveying rather than using any other kind of like imaging under the surface of the earth or whatever it is. It's just, just a human walking yeah. vast spaces of earth. Kung fu. If you find a shard of pot- pottery, it is like the biggest thing of your year. Really? So archaeologists are really bitter about dinosaurs and Indiana Jones because <gasps> they are constantly having to assert the importance of these tiny pieces of other people's history, which are important because... Yeah. For example, with Neanderthals, like this is how we've learned that they may have shared the same exact brain capabilities as Homo sapiens when they existed at the same time is from looking at the caves they lived in and that they had tools and they had a fire and, you know, all of this stuff that we've been mis, you know, improperly identifying them as lesser, you know, mental beings mm-hmm. when in reality we may have been total contemporaries in terms of our capacity to live wow. and they're still figuring this out but that's how they figured out if you find a pottery shard next to neanderthal remains that's a really good indication that they had especially if it's in the same level of soil which is called stratification it's a really good way of determining whether or not if that belonged to that neanderthal they were making pottery which Unless is technology a superior homo, homo homo sapien homer sapien homer sapien killed that neanderthal with one of our potteries <laughs> <laughs> with a piece of pottery. Yeah, we shattered a piece of pottery for our amusement. Well, they can also tell how it dies. Inferior species. And in looking at a recent <laughs> remains, I can stop because now once I'm on this topic, it's bad. But the um, that is like the biggest thing that they are all like Honey Church would constantly be like. And this was a really big deal. And yeah. we were all like snooze. That's so <laughs> Where's the like, you know, the Holy Grail, dude? Like it's again, that sounds spiritual. You read something and you're like, that's profound. I know. Like, he's, but he was asserting it. So and he would stride up and down the aisles because that's the way he moves in the world in his job. Uh, so he takes these big strides. Even as pro- as a professor, as he notices uh, little discrepancies in the carpet, exactly. There's What's under we here? here? Yeah, he's like the worst Robert Langdon. So they can tell how they die, though. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. They can tell how they die a lot of times. Like Lucy, um, who's uh, Australopithecus afarensis, yep. talking about something different. What do you mean? The Lucy. No, Lucy uh, references Lucy. It She does? Yeah. I need to watch Worth it Worth a view. Really? Yeah. Sounds like, I mean, if it references. It's great. The the fruit of the leaky's excavation. It also has a it. line where she goes, we never really die. So it's, it's very much like my kind of Oh, I'd movie. love to watch it. Yeah, it's great. Um, Underrated. Like they recently discovered that she might have been up in a tree. And she might have fallen out of the tree, and that's how she died. How embarrassing for a, for a chimpanzee? Uh, Australopithecus afarensis. It was an early Oh, monkey, monkey, monkey. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, like monkey lady. It was what? Like a hybrid of a monkey and a lady. She was like I a missing I guess on lady. our way. <laughs> I've never, she was on I've the never way. felt more frightened that I offended Lucy before. I, I just feel like I know her. It's just, yes. I'm sorry if I gave you a look. Well, she was clumsy. You know what? You don't know what happened there. A leopard could have been in the tree with her and she could have thought she was saving herself. That's true. Maybe she was like a Christ figure and died for another 
Almost every You're all over the map. You're that. trying to ground it in clumsy, human clumsiness sure or Christ. Am. Or Christ. Nothing in between. No. That's why I love your brain. Six new Earths, six new Jesuses. Is it six? I thought five. it was six. It could oh, be five. six. I like six better. That means each one of them has to have some salvation story. I'm just kidding. I'm sure, by the way. It's like the first thing we all figure out. Yeah. Like, what are the stars? Yeah. Uh, let's assign something really special to them, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that girls in Los Angeles in 2017 can buy crystals and think about That's what right. the stars mean to them. Well, you know, a crystal is just a piece of pure earth. It's just, you know, I I'm think just, you could appreciate it. I still don't understand. <laughs> I don't either. I'm not a crystal person. Um, you listen, Marnie listens to Eckhart Tolle though. That's not a little touch of Allison Williams, not to be the person that assumes you're just playing yourself, but I thought it's maybe. It's not. That was a Marnieism. Okay. That was a Marnieism. I mean, I Eckhart, why. I'm down, but it was a little Marnie. It was a self-improvement, um, gesture. Yeah. It was to exhibit that she was trying to get better. And you made it out of the series. I hate to, you know, I'm not asking you this as a radio DJ, but no. you did it. You stuck to your guns on not getting naked. Not gotten naked. You did it though. It's over. Yeah, I did it. You made it. And now I don't have to do it because it's well known that I don't do it. That's right. I established said, it. Yeah. It's a, yeah. If it's I wasn't going to do it for girls, which did do a lot of great work. You talk about Jessa, that scene where she and Adam in the most recent season. On the couch. Like, this is yogurt. Like very intimate. You know yeah. what I mean? Not, I don't mean that in a sexual way. Certainly it was sexual, I suppose. But it no, was, it was just more like, intimate than a sex scene. It was intimate. That's what I mean. But Jemima is more intimidated by sex scenes than nudity. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And mine doesn't come from a place of intimidation because I'm very comfortable in my body. It has to do with not wanting to give Marnie literally all of myself. Mm. It was a boundary that I drew. That's something that I question about this podcast sometimes. Yeah. It uh, was a boundary that I have really clear boundaries, too, in terms of what I'm willing to tell hmm. and share with the world. Hmm. And um, I, boundaries give What's me a lot of comfort. <laughs> Um, boundaries give me a lot of comfort. I take a lot of, they yeah. feel really cozy to me and people who don't have good boundaries are always the ones that are most transgressive to me and, uh, and most people, but, um, I get it. Well, we see this in movies. The people that have codes yes. are good characters. Oh really? Even uh, in uh, my example is always no country for old men. Yes. Why do you like, uh, Antoine Sugar? You don't cause he's terrifying. But why is he one of the few people in the movie that survives? Because he has a code. Yes. He, he has really clear rules. He spares other people. He kills who he's after. Yes. And he's a death character like every every right. movie by those guys. Right. <laughs> but that's, that is, um, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that was a big uh, Cormac McCarthy thing too, having I a love code. love Cormac Like McCarthy. we keep driving home the idea so that those that survive and those that keep their souls, sorry, Ricky. Yes. Have codes. Yes. Sorry, Ricky. I threw up. <laughs> I threw up reading Blood Meridian. That's never happened to me before. You threw up. Yeah, because oh, the scalping. I haven't read it. It's brutal, like yes. all Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Um. But wait, what was I just going to say about um rules? Uh, nudity. Oh yeah, nudity. Hmm. So it's um. So that was a really interesting misconception. It didn't come from a place of being like scared of it. It didn't come from a place of fear. It's possible that it did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But given what I've done in the rest of the show, hopefully that idea is put to rest. Yeah, no, totally. In fact, it seemed like it went out of it its way. Fear. Yeah, I don't. Yes, I always had a theory. I, I was like, I think is Lena fucking with Allison? I think so. <laughs> to probably to compensate for the fact that I wasn't emo- I wasn't physically naked, so I had to seem emotionally naked wow. in physical moments. That's so funny. That's my guess. I've never asked her directly, even though we're insanely <laughs> me, close. Is this personal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was always, it was always. It never felt dirty or ugly to me. I was just like, I wonder if that's a deliberate thing. It like, was always really, really um, 
interesting every season to be like, okay, what is it going to be? And I remember, actually, this came to mind when we were talking earlier. One of the first things I did in our show was do the masturbation scene when Marnie and Booth Jonathan have that encounter on the High Line. Yeah. And I remember shooting that scene and being really nervous about it. And it's really intimate Mm -hmm. to do. And I, at that point, had just met our whole crew and stuff like that. And now they're like my, you know, aunts and uncles and siblings. And, um, (laughs) but at that point I was really, really nervous. I remember finishing the scene and feeling very proud that I had just done a big acting thing. Mm-hmm. And then one of our producers walked past and I said, what did you think? And she said, good. It was hilarious. And then just kept walking. And I was like, hilarious. That's so funny. It was hilarious. I almost called you Marnie. Marnie. <laughs> I just did uh, radio and I loved it. And the clip they played was the breakup from the pilot, and they were laughing, which makes me happy. Yes, but also it, it makes really does. The showrunner part of you happy, it but does. the actor. I'm also like, I thought this was. I literally was worried that people would be too sad to enjoy it. Aww. And that I was right. That's how you know for you're my too parents. Close. <laughs> really? Oh my! Yeah. What do your parents devastated. make of this? They like the second episode more because it wasn't about my heart getting broken. Is Lapkus still going to be around? Lapkus is around. She's so good. She's too good to let go of Lauren She's Lapkus. So so good. Everyone yes. is so good in it. Thank you. Truly. Yeah. It's Judd, man. I, I'm not. It's uh, not just Judd. He's I, he's a he's the special sauce. But <laughs> I'm serious. He has a really good he has a really good eye for talent and casting. Yeah, yes, specifically. Yeah. Well, the fact that he was able to see Marnie in a Mad Men music video where I was yeah. singing. Yeah. Is really interesting. It I, is. Interesting. I need to. I need him to walk. But talk me about a guy that. that's gut. He's so gut. That's true. He's so gut. I. Uh, and, we both owe him most of our careers. I know for sure. In a big way. And there's a big part of me that loves that I can trust his gut, and it's fun to have part of my job be allow Judd's gut to speak. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and allow my own. I'm trying to learn from him and and have a good gut myself. Yeah. Well, that's the irony of having. A, a Judd in your life is that he teaches you to trust your gut and then at some point your guts will be at odds with each other. Oh my God, yeah. I haven't even considered that. Yeah, and it's like I a always go to karate Lena, kid moment. I'm like, you guys seem to, you had such a great run and I was just like, that's that's what I want. I want six good, lovely, collaborative years. It was really a, a dream. It's bizarre. It's nuts. Yeah. I can't believe it's ending. I know. I don't recommend it. You should just keep doing it forever. Ah, Truly, think... it feels way too weird. It's really weird. Yeah. Especially it's like a death. It is, and especially because I've never had an adult life without girls in it. I had, what, a couple months after I graduated without girls. But from then, everything I've gone through, I've gone through while also being Marnie. You should, I, I'm not a big astrology person, but I wonder if you got your chart done, if you would have, like, there's something that shows up, apparently, that's like a death or a loss or a huge shift. I wonder if you're in one of those right Interesting. now. Interesting. I wonder I'm, where your moon is. How old are you? Do you mind? I'm, I'm going to be 29 in April. 29. I think 28 is one of those big years. I oh, wait, why. people keep saying this to me. It's called... Because um, your moon returns. Is the that what they're saying? The return of Saturn. Yeah, Saturn the returns. Saturn returns. Everyone it takes keeps 28 years. Like, when I come to Los Angeles, it's like the entire city just in unison says, who Saturn returns. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm just like, this feels so ominous. I must go back to New York. Ah, I know. <laughs> Where people are, you know, peeing on your feet of in the course. subway. And I even have a bit... Even being a vegan makes less sense in New York. It's harder for me... Yeah, I Next came to L.A., up. immediately got put on a weird diet, got back to New York and was like, like I had been ejected from a weird video game where I yeah. didn't know the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God. I'm it's funny that. that you say that because it looks like the first level of Mario Brothers out here. So, of course, you're drinking yes. grapefruit juice or whatever it is. Whereas my home feels like Rainbow Road. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is why you eat pizza. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you feel good? I feel like. I do feel good. We could talk forevers. I know. Has this been a longish one? I think so. 
Three hours. Wow, that's pretty good. It's excellent. Do you want to do a speed round? Sure. Try and, I don't Will have... the audience kill us for going on? Who cares? Do a speed round. The podcast is over when you want it to be over. Just I've turn never, it off. I don't terminate. <laughs> I don't do terminus. Well, you wouldn't, no, right? You have to have complete to it. it. I understand. So for those people, we'll just do a speed round. Okay. Well, the first one is, do you know one of the times you laughed the hardest? That, that's one we have to do. Um, yes. And it's kind of, it's recent. It's one of, it's a sadder moment, but it's hard to describe why it was funny. Um, my grandfather is now 92 or 90. I think he just turned 93 in November. So his Saturn's been around a few his times. Saturn, let's come back. <laughs> um, and, uh, he has dementia. And so he's kind of, he's still the same he reminds me of Atticus Finch. He always has. He's like the deeply, he's so good. He's a deeply good man. Mm. He, um, he's just a wonderful man. And so he's really light and happy, he's even though he's confused. He's always killing mockingbirds. What'd you say? <laughs> he's always killing mockingbirds. Yeah. He's an Atticus Finch. And did you read kill it? Mock- I did. <laughs> That's what it's about, right? He goes around killing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Go Just on. Don't tell him what it's actually about. <laughs> um, so... We were at Thanksgiving this past year, and he started talking about someone that he caddied for. And it was like he was doing a Mad Libs for describing this person. (laughs) And these are the details that he revealed. (laughs) It was a woman. It was before World War I. She was black, and she was a golfer and a tennis player. (laughs) And she was one of the best around and one of the best alive. And we all were keeping it together. Just starting to put this image of a woman in, together in our heads, yeah, who's yeah. now like really old, still at it, still golfing and playing tennis, and one of the best going, and we don't know who she is. Mm. And um, <laughs> my brother just gently and trying very hard to not betray how funny we thought this was, said, <laughs> still at it. And there was something about still the tension. It. it was a church laugh, right? Because it's my grandfather yes, who loved yes, losing it, yes. who was describing something completely impossible this person had she existed would be a major i hope a major historical figure if there had been a black woman active in the golf and tennis community yeah yeah yeah. pre-world war one yeah yeah yeah. i hope we would know who that was yeah there's a hidden figures about her coming out pretty exactly (laughs) and so there was something about my brother saying she's still at it that just absolutely that killed me church laughs are the best yeah one of mine is like that. It's it's just asking someone who didn't speak English as their first language a question, and they're trying to help you, just like your grandfather's trying to talk to you, yeah. and you're not supposed to, and you just let loose. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. We should Google that woman. I, we tr- Trust me, we tried. tried. And Ricky thought he found her, and it was like the biggest yes and effort ever. Yes. And he showed a picture that felt similar to what he was talking about, and he just knowed him. Really? <laughs> no but. No. He's like, no, that's not her. <laughs> he the just laughter just kept going. At a certain point, I had to leave the table because I was, I was really in hysterics. That's and it was a release. It was a loosening of a valve that needed to happen. It was like a. He probably just smoked pot and fell asleep watching uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance. Something. And I was like, that young lady was a great tennis player and a like, golfer. That was Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really, it was really a specific kind of moment. I love it. And uh, I feel like we covered, like, I was going to ask you about marriage, family. We've covered all these great topics yeah. in the non-speed round, acting. Just list the ways Allison is 
disproportionately lucky. Yeah, let's for the speed round. How have you been privileged? I'm just kidding. I mean, I think I've that's been the, we've been talking that's about that's basically it. been this whole podcast. We've been hovering around it. All well, of it leading up to the my choice to make this movie, which is to portray a white girl in a kind of yes tense. You hangst it, man. Situation. You waited it for the right like, moment. Well, I will come back and I'll talk about it because it, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, after anything. we've seen yeah, and after, after they've seen. seen. After they've seen. I don't want to spoil it for anyone because okay. it's better if you don't know. And then once you know everything, it is an incredible second watch because it's a different movie. Really? Yes. And that's based, I don't have a clear view of it, but that's based on what multiple people I know I can't have said. wait it. So the it's second like, time they saw it, it's in a completely different protagonist. Right. It's a different movie. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's like the Oscars this year. If you know the twist, you can watch it again. It's completely different. (laughs) That was... Hilarious. That was unbelievable. I was the only one, you know, (laughs) I'm watching and I'm just like, I'm only looking at the stage producer with the headset. Yeah, obviously. But no one I was with, I was like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Something's wrong. No one else. I was like, "This this tells you about... The way I grew up in my house, the peacekeeper looking for trouble and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, something's wrong. And yeah, I went immediately, immediately, immediately was like, wrong envelope. And then I instantly started feeling awful for anyone who was still talking. La 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 land. Yeah. Too bad. Still a good movie. Loved Moonlight, though. I loved Moonlight. I will rewatch it and think about it for a long time. My favorite movie, though? Movie. Don't Think Twice. I loved Don't Think Twice. Snubbed. Oscar snub so much hashtag Oscar snub I really loved it I think I've seen everyone in it in the last couple months and I've been able to tell everyone except for Biggs well he's in town I'd love to see him (laughs) can you arrange that I can make that happen you put me in touch with Glazer I'll put you in touch with Birbiglia All right. and I'm so honored that you did it I'm so glad and you went the distance people are going to flip out no they're not they're going to fall asleep and then wake up and it's still going to be playing you're talking about ham when people go, Ham did it, and he went the distance. He like, did go the distance like if, with that if, voice. If famous people come and do it, and then they really do I'm it. I'm not Ham. You're Lady Ham. You're la- what else did I call you, Lady? Oh, Lady Franco. <laughs> and he's he's Hamish. Have you had? No, you haven't had James Franco. No, I would love to. Should do. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. You have Seth Rogen on, and he's talking about Franco, and you want to be like, can you get him on? But like you. I know. Let's, let's be I will cool. always help. Be cool. Let me just put that out there now. Okay. I will help you. But I'm like you, and I'm going to be cool. Oh, right. You're not going to ask me for anything. Get me, Franco. <laughs> well, you know, you know Judd, too. Yeah. I've always wanted to, you know, Lena, of course, and Adam. There's a lot of girls, but let's keep Adam it cool. Adam won't do it. Lena would. Adam won't do it? Mm-mm. He'll do it when we talk about how he was a vacuum salesman. Uh, I think he, you know, he's, he doesn't love... <laughs> I grew up with two journalist parents. This is so a mode like that I've been watching... Forever, I've been watching interviews. That thing about vacuum sales. (laughs) You told me. No, no, he's told that story many times. Yeah, I just mean a long form interview is not. I don't. I don't want to speak for him, but I just wouldn't be sad if he doesn't. I don't want to do it. it. What's up, kid? He's also in an off time. That's pretty good. That's not bad. First try. Was it? No way. Wasn't bad. That was your first try ever. I'm often better first try, and then when I try it later, I miss your Batman. I miss Batman too. When are you going to do it again? Well, I mean, we got uh, some new Batman stuff coming out, so probably soon. We wanted to do a Batman-Superman one, but it yeah. takes... Who is going to be your Superman? We have a good Superman, I think. You're not going to tell? No, we, we've already done one with Superman, so we might oh use him God, again. Oh, my God, that's right. Oh, but I loved that one. We might have to do someone else. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I'm honored that you even know what that is. Of so, course I do. And I'm honored you did it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Do you feel good? 
I do. I mean, and now I understand why people are so hesitant at the end. Um, to end? To end because you feel like by continuing to talk, you can somehow oh, yeah. reverse the outrage cycle that could come from any one thing that you say. Oh, welcome to my world. But it's I think, funny. I've av- I think, except for two people, talk- two white people talking about Africa, I think we've managed to avoid. You can take some of that out if you want. Most of the outrage cycle. I don't think. I don't think that's a problem. Obviously, two white people who've been to Africa talking about Africa is different from. You know what I'm saying? We were talking about our experiences in yeah. Africa. That's there you go. Six countries down. My seventh will be Uganda. Oh I'm yeah, go later this year. I I hope you like it. Can't wait. I'm really excited. Go to Kampala and eat, eat goat soup. That's what that's what I'll do. <laughs> I'm serious. That's, <laughs> that's what you eat. That's what you do. And would you? This is an honor. Would you say keep it crispy? So excited long to do time this. Coming. I've been thinking about this for so long. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> keep it crispy. <laughs> yeah. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Allison. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com.